And we're back on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent, getting you ready for another exciting day of everything Southern. I'm John Rawl. I'm in the host chair. I'm here for the next three hours of talking about everything Southern. We're tickled that you have taken the time to join us here on the program. And if you want to be involved, we welcome that. Our website is yall.com that's y'all.com it is the south's homepage. more and more fun stuff being put there every day we'll give a give an opportunity for you to learn a little bit more about what's going on at y'all.com as we progress on this thursday y'all show and on this thursday y'all show it's going to be a busy one it's going to be a fun one y'all and we want you to be a part of it 803-816-1170 is the way You can get in touch with us here at the Y'all Show if you've got something you need to get off your chest, whether it's something informative and or entertaining and or criticism. We'll take that, too. It's 803-816-1170. Just text us any old time, and we'd be happy to share what you got going on here on your show, the South Show, the Y'all Show. On this Y'all Show Thursday edition, we've got to look at what's going on across the Southeast as part of our headlines of the region plus we have sports information we'll be sharing with you and we have an sec report coming in this hour it's not a very lengthy report from the southeastern conference on this thursday because we are going to continue on with our college football spotlight getting you ready for the start of the 2021 college football season and we launched a 44 city tour on wednesday we started out in birmingham with the uab blazers on wednesday's y'all show today We're going to go to Memphis and salute the Memphis Tigers of AAC. Now, we were supposed to get this tour started a day earlier than Wednesday, a.k.a. Tuesday. We had a little problem. We weren't able to squeeze in a school that we were supposed to also spotlight this week. So we're going to give you something extra special, a little extra gravy for your taters here on today's Y'all Show. We're going to also, in addition to spotlighting the Memphis Tigers and what coach ryan silverfield's got going on by the way we'll hear from the coach of the tigers when we spotlight them not only this hour with information about the team the 2021 schedules for the the boys in blue and gray but we'll also have another school spotlighted on today's y'all show hour two we're going to kind of mix this in to the mix too we're going to give you all the scoop on the bearcats of sam houston state university huntsville texas now, why are we going to be talking about Sam Houston State? Because they're the national champions of college football right now. They are a champion. I think it's for the first time in school history where they actually won the FCS national championship. They did that back in, I think it was late April, early May in Frisco. They won the national championship over North uh, South Dakota State this year, actually. It was the Jackrabbits and the Bearcats, B-E-A-R-K-A-T-S, in that national championship game. So we're going to tell you a little bit about the Sam Houston State Bearcats that walk through some of their 2021 schedule. I'll also let you know about some of the most famous alums of SHSU, and that includes Dan Rather and others. Well, we'll do a brief spotlight of Sam Houston State Hour 2, and then in Hour 3, we're going to go back to Beale Street, and I'm going to continue to tell you more about the Memphis Tigers and the great traditions and the famous alums of memphis and or memphis state university go tigers go it is a memphis tiger 
and a little bit of Sam Houston State Bearcat spotlight on this Thursday y'all show. A lot of felines in the spotlight on this Thursday y'all show. So that is what's coming up here sports-wise on today's y'all show. We'll also throw in some other sports news, including we got a defending Stanley Cup champion. Back-to-back, the Tampa Bay Lightning win the Stanley Cup in hockey. So hockey in Dixie, it's a pretty good mix, evidently, for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And I'll tell you about how they won on Wednesday. And I'll also, also let you know the latest on the NBA Finals as it continues on on this Thursday. Plus, we'll let you know about the passing of a great in Rice Owls history as part of our sports coverage of today's Y'all Show. We also have coming in Hour 2 a look at entertainment news going on, including some country music information we'll be sharing with you. And we'll also have a Southern accent coming from Kobe Bennett on Southern Business in hour number two. Hour three today, we will continue, as we said, talking about the Memphis Tigers. But we'll also let you know about some of the exciting festivals and events going on across the region this very weekend. And that's all right here on this Thursday Y'all Show with John Rawl. Thank you so much for being a part. Let's get into the headlines of today. And sadly, it is not the best of news to report coming from the Champlain Towers collapse in South Florida as evidently they're going to stop the search for for survivors there and it's been a very unfortunate last couple of hours there as prayer and more come to mark the end of the search for survivors at this condo collapse and unfortunately some of the authorities there telling the rescuers to, to go on home there's nothing more they can do and clergy members on hand there in Surfside, Florida, the mayor of Miami-Dade, Daniela Cava, said at a news conference, we've all asked God for a miracle, so the decision to transition transition from rescue to recovery is an extremely difficult one. The death toll stood, as of last evening, at 54, but it looks like we're going to have another 100 or so souls added to the list of, of dead, and unless a miracle can come, we're likely going to see almost everybody out of this thing declared dead at some point we just hope their bodies can be found in this just terrible tragedy the champlain tower south condo building collapsed from two weeks ago and now the authorities there officially ending the recovery or the rescue effort now going more into a recovery effort they of course on i think it was monday night collapse the remnants of that building to try to aid in the search but it is a very very difficult story coming out of florida a little bit positive story coming out of florida was the tropical storm from this week now reports coming out that at least one person was killed when tropical storm elsa went through on wednesday it also is attributed to killing a not killing but injuring several people at a Navy base in southeast Georgia. The National Hurricane Center said Elza's winds now currently right around 40 miles an hour as it's making its way through the Carolinas early today. And it is going to ultimately go back out to sea. But unfortunately, at least one person reported dead after this thing went through north Florida into southeast Georgia. And I don't know the exact community of where the person was killed, but I know in southeast Georgia, I guess it's Kingland, Georgia, is where they have a Navy base, and several sailors or people that work at the Navy base injured when this tropical storm 
went through on Wednesday in that area. But overall, especially the Gulf Coast side of Florida, they dodged a bullet for the most part with this tropical storm slash hurricane that we have seen this week. So thank you, goodness, Florida didn't need another tragedy. We, we, we definitely don't need any tragedies from natural disasters like hurricanes and tornadoes, but unfortunately that's reality here in the world we live in. A driver in Tennessee has now been charged with the attempted murder of a Memphis police officer. The police officer was on a sidewalk in Memphis over the weekend, and Orlando Davey evidently tried to run him over with his car, and Mr. Davey's being held on a $2.5 million bond. Following an arraignment hearing on Wednesday, the 24-year-old Hernando Mississippi man, Mr. Davey, being held on this bond for the incident that happened on Monday night in Memphis. Court documents show that the officers with the Memphis Police Department attempted to conduct a traffic stop around 7.15 Monday at the intersection of Front Street and G.E. Patterson Drive. That's in downtown Memphis, by the way. And this man started speeding and swerving and endangered the lives of pedestrians, but the man from Hernando refused to stop, according to an affidavit, and he instead drove into oncoming traffic, striking a Dodge Ram pickup, and then he fled the scene of the crash at a high rate of speed, but officers called off their pursuit due to safety concerns. And now Davis is charged with evading arrest involving an attempt to run down a police officer. He's going to be in jail for quite a time there in the Bluff City, again charged with the attempted murder of a police officer by trying to plow him down with his vehicle. I know a few years ago there was also in that same area of downtown Memphis some moron as i like to call him i think killed somebody i think killed a cop in downtown memphis it was 2016 and they came plowing through downtown memphis on a saturday night with a lot of people out on the streets and i think the memphis police officer was directing traffic i think i'm right on that and this uh moron as i call him ended up i think severely injuring or killing the police officer but he also shot two innocent people i think it was the same guy Unfortunately, Memphis, a big city, so many of our big cities have so much of this absolute nonsense going on all the time that it's honestly and sadly rather confusing and, and, and rather sad that yours truly and all of you listening are tired and, and get confused by these similar stories happening all the time and the senseless loss of life. And speaking of a senseless loss of life, the college quarterback at Kennesaw State in Georgia has been killed in a 50-bullet barrage in the Tallahassee area of Florida. Ladarius Clardy was an 18-year-old who played for the Kennesaw State Owls, and he was going to return for what was going to be his sophomore season. I think this week he was supposed to be returning back to the Atlanta area, but he was gunned down Thursday, not in Tallahassee, I apologize. He was shot in Pensacola. According to the Escambia County Sheriff Chip Simmons, someone fired over 50 rounds into the car, most of them into the car, the driver's door, and this 18-year-old Ladarius Clardy killed in Pensacola this week, and now this six-foot, 170-pound quarterback for the Kennesaw State Owls, his life comes to an end for absolutely, I'm sure, no, no good reason. Another man... A 19-year-old is in critical condition after being struck multiple times throughout his body. 
the gunfire, according to some bystanders, happened out of nowhere. Hmm. $10,000 reward being offered for info. Call the Escambia County, Florida Sheriff's Office to report any kind of news about this senseless killing of Ladarius Clardy, a Kennesaw State Owl backup quarterback. Over 20 flags at a cemetery in South Carolina have been burned, and now a congressperson from that state is vowing to replace them. Somebody needs to find who did this and give them a very un-American treatment. 20 flags taken from the Anderson, South Carolina Cemetery just before the 4th of July. This unknown suspect or suspects collecting 21 flags off of the graves and then piled them on cemetery grounds and burned them on July 3rd in the evening hours, leaving behind the scorched remains of these flags at the Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Anderson, South Carolina. Just a lowdown. I mean, I'm seeing the photo of the, how these flags were put down on the ground and burnt. And it was obviously deliberate, and it was almost in an organized fashion. This vandal and or vandals went into the cemetery in the upstate of South Carolina and did such a absolutely horrible thing. Very unpatriotic. Plus, they also pulled out their paint can and sprayed on some of the grounds of the Forest Lawn Memorial Park, one of this graffiti messages put up was quote separating church and state i guess they're mad about flags and cemeteries of our american heroes many of whom may have actually been killed in the line of duty and are buried and are there in eternal rest in anderson south carolina sad 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 world we live in at times is it not also in addition to people trying to burn American flags, literally in Tuskegee, Alabama, a former mayor there is taking matters into his own hands. He should be arrested, by the way. But this former mayor of Tuskegee, Johnny Ford, decided over the holiday weekend to pull out his electric saw and try to topple the Macon County, Alabama Confederate Monument there on public grounds in Tuskegee, Alabama. And he has taken matters into his own name. So he comes out, he cuts off, I think, part of the leg of this Confederate monument that's been there for more than 100 years, I think. And I don't know if he's gotten in trouble for this thing. Mr. Ford said he sawed off one of the soldier's legs when he was interrupted by the sheriff, Andre Brunson, who told him he would look into the matter to see what is appropriate in the way of handling the statue removal. Now, the deputy there, the sheriff's deputy, or the sheriff, told a local TV station that charges would be filed against Ford and another person who helped out the councilman. The councilman is the former mayor. He's now a councilman there. Now, residents there in Tuskegee have asked for this Confederate statue removal in Tuskegee, but this is an example, and we've seen this happen in so many cities now, it's frankly hard to keep track of this as well, 
that some of these places say, we want to remove these statues and put them in a better place. No, some of these people out here want to destroy these statues. It's happened in Durham, North Carolina, and it's happening here in Tuskegee, Alabama. They want these things completely erased. And a former mayor, in this case, leading the charge in this East Alabama city this week. That's what's going on news-wise. We have more news headlines from across the South that we're going to be getting to on today's y'all show so don't miss that on the phone again you also can find us our number to text or call 803-816-1170 that's a number you can call or text 24 7 with your knowledge of what's going on across the southeast we certainly welcome any and all feedback we want to hear from y'all here on the y'all show we're going to take a break we're going to come back with a whole bunch of sports information to get this first hour in the books Still got two more hours, by the way, coming up when this one is in the books. But coming up, we have a quick look at what's going on in sports news, NBA, NHL news. Plus, we have a SEC report coming up later in the hour. And before the hour is up, a spotlight on the Memphis Tigers football program. All that on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. in a few weeks the olympics going on well i can tell you right now you don't have to wait for a few weeks to get the good old red white and blue flowing through your veins because i can say right now on the y'all show usa 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 and that's because the tampa bay lightning knocked out the montreal canadians the habs go back to canada losers of the stanley cup and Tampa Bay is your back-to-back NHL Stanley Cup champion. Congratulations on the Lightning. Who knew Tampa Bay would be the hockey capital of the world? What is this all about? Congratulations. The captain, Steven Stamkos, saying this group, no matter what happens from here on out, this group is going to be etched in history forever. And that's pretty effing special. <laughs> Clean it up there, Stephen. This is a family show. Congratulations as they won in Game 5. Remember, I think it was one of the local officials in the Tampa-St. Pete area that came out this week and said, hey, Lightning, it's okay if you don't win in a sweep over the Canadians. You can go up to Montreal and lose the game. We want you to win this Stanley Cup back here in front of the home folks. Probably in front of a full crowd as compared to Montreal 
but a great, great win. Tampa Bay defeating Montreal 1-0 to close out the series 4-1 on Wednesday at home, becoming the first NHL team to repeat as Stanley Cup champion since the 2016-2017 Pittsburgh Penguins. Congratulations to the Lightning. Winners again. And if you want to see a good NHL team in action, you can find yourself right there sitting alongside Tom Brady and maybe checking out a Tampa Bay Lightning hockey game pretty soon. But you'll have to wait a few months. Congratulations again to the Lightning. You're Stanley Cup champs. Now, we're about to crown an NBA champion, and they're going to pick up the NBA Finals on this Thursday evening. It's the Bucks and the Phoenix Suns from the Valley in Arizona. Game two will tip off at 9 Eastern, 8 Central on ABC Phoenix right now with a 1-0 series lead. Now, after this game two today, there will not be games played on Friday and Saturday. The game three of this series is going to take place on Sunday evening on ABC. But the Phoenix Suns could be traveling to Milwaukee with a 2-0 series lead if they can pull out another victory in game two of the NBA Finals. Now to some golf news, a a one-time and almost two-time green jacket holder, Angel Cabrera, the Argentine golfer, he's been sentenced to two years in prison for assaulting a former partner. And in addition to winning the Masters, Cabrera is an U.S. Open champion, a two-time major winner on the PGA Tour, and now he's going to be locked up in a Argentine jail as a court in the province of Cordoba in Argentina convicted the 51-year-old golfer of assaulting, threatening, and harassing a woman who had been his partner for about three years. And now the golfer who's denied in the trial any wrongdoing will have to go serve his sentence immediately. This is not a U.S. court that the Argentine native is having to go hang out in jail for a while. This is an Argentine court. And I bet you they follow the laws a lot closer down there and they probably have to serve out the full term. But a guy who has come close to winning two green jackets and he did win the U.S. Open back in 2007, winning over Tiger Woods and Jim Furyk, won by one shot. Then he followed that up with a win in 2009 in a playoff at the Masters. And he nearly won in 2013 He lost in a playoff to Adam Scott at Augusta National. A very good golfer. One of the best South American golfers we've ever seen. And unfortunately, now sentenced to two years in prison, Angel Cabrera. To some college football news, the Oklahoma Sooners running back Mikey Henderson is off the team as he's been arrested and a warrant is being sought in connection with an alleged robbery. Mikey Henderson off the Oklahoma Sooner football team. Henderson was identified as the third member of an alleged robbery on April 15th, along with a couple of other former Oklahoma players, Seth McGowan and Trahan Bridges. And he's off the team. A very disturbing story from several months ago. We covered it here on the Y'all Show, but now this six foot two, 238-pound freshman from St. Louis He played in eight games in 2020 as an H-back for Oklahoma. He caught 12 passes for 168 yards and had nine carries for 81 yards and a touchdown 
Mikey Henderson no longer an Oklahoma Sooner. And some college football news from yesteryear. Dickie Magel, who was a running back for the Rice Owls in a very famous 1954 Cotton Bowl game against Alabama. He's the Rice Owl running back out of the Southwest Conference that was going down the sideline at the old Cotton Bowl in Dallas when an Alabama Crimson Tide player came off the bench and essentially (laughs) smacked him right in the face. And he was awarded the touchdown. In fact, it was, I think, a 95-yard touchdown given to him. Rice went on to win that New Year's 1954 game against Alabama, 28-6. to And it was, I think, was and still is the longest run in Cotton Bowl history. He also had in that game touchdown runs of 79 and 34 yards, 265 yards rushing in that 1954 Cotton Bowl win over Alabama. I'm sure y'all remember that. He actually went on to play in the NFL for the San Francisco 49ers. He was the 10th overall pick by the Niners in the 1955 draft. He also played for a while with the Steelers and the Dallas Cowboys right when they first got going. And Dickie Magel has died at the age of 86. Another great moment of that win a great moment looking back that the Alabama player who came off the bench to tackle him. Together, both of those guys went on the Ed Sullivan show to talk about that play, which got to be like the most famous college play in that 1954 year. And Tommy Lewis was the Alabama player that came and threw a blindside block knocking Magel to the ground, and he was awarded a 95-yard touchdown run regardless of him being knocked down by the Bama player. But when talking about the play, Mr. Lewis explained that he was just too full of Alabama to watch Magel run for that long touchdown. Hmm. Two, and that's become a kind of rally cry for a lot of Alabama fans. In fact, Mr. Poison the Trees had Tumor's Corner had a similar excuse back in 2011 when he went and did that and destroyed Tumor's Corner. Too full of Alabama. There's a lot of people too full of Alabama. But when you're national champions, I guess you can't really feel too sorry for them, can you? (laughs) That is a quick look at some sports news here on this first hour edition of the Thursday Y'all Show we're not done talking sports. We've still got lots of more sports talk coming your way here in this first hour. When we come back, we've got a very brief SEC report coming up. Some news out of the SEC football ranks and more. Plus, before the hour is up, we're going to turn our attention to Highland in Memphis, Tennessee. And there you'll find the University of Memphis and the Tiger football team is being spotlighted on our 44 city tour. And the Tigers are up this hour. We'll tell you all about Ryan Silverfield's team when we come back on the Y'all Show.
Giga Maggies, welcome back. It's y'all a very brief SEC report here on this Thursday y'all show with the general of all things Southern John Rawl and news out of Aggieland. Former A&M coach R.C. Slocum stepping down from the college football playoff committee for health reasons. And as a result of that, former committee member Tyrone Willingham, y'all remember him, former coach of the Stanford Cardinal, Willingham will complete the final term of R.C. Slocum's term on the college football playoff committee. We wish Coach Slocum all the best. The guy who was coaching them back in the good old days of, I think he was there in the last years of the Southwest Conference before they moved over to the Big 12. And now, again, health problems forcing him out of the college football playoff committee. Now to KnoxNews.com, and they have a story up about ranking the SEC football kickers for this year. Is Cade York, Anders Carlson, or Will Reichard the best kicker in the Southeastern Conference heading into the 2021 season? I know y'all been worried about your kickers out there, and I'm here to kick it into high gear and tell you about some of the great kickers to be on the lookout for. First off, how about Cade York? Remember him? He was the star, if you will, in addition to a shoe, in LSU's big win over the Florida Gators in the Swamp last year. (laughs) And his 57-yard field goal with 23 seconds left on the clock helped Coach O and the Tigers to a 37-34 victory at Florida Field. That was one of the best moments in all of the 2020 college football season, and that came to you courtesy of LSU's heroic kicker, Cade York. Woo, what a great game. I, I think I saw that being replayed the other day, the, the shoe game. That thing probably cost Florida a chance. Not not that they would have won it, but a chance to play for the national championship. Sorry, Gator fans. Sorry to make you have to relive that one. Also, another great kicker heading into this forthcoming season is Anders Carlson. Anders is a senior for the Auburn Tigers. And last year, his field goal attempts... I think he was right at 90%. His 20 made field goals led the SEC as he made 20 out of 22. I guess that gives you about a 90% success rate. Anders Carlson, very good kicker for Auburn. Now their Iron Bowl rival, the Alabama Crimson Tide, has a pretty good kicker. Will Reichert. Will Reichert is very reliable. He made 14 of 14 field goal attempts during the national championship run for the Crimson Tide and his longest 52 yards last year. Watch out for this guy. Georgia's got a pretty good guy with a pretty strong leg. Jack Podlesny, a great kicker, follows, of course, Mr. Bespectacled one, Rodrigo Blankenship. And Rodrigo made it to the NFL this past year. And Podlesny comes into Athens and had a pretty good season there he was a walk-on that went 13 of 16 on field goal tries for kirby smart's georgia bulldogs and in that peach bowl victory over cincinnati jack the kicker not jack the ripper jack the kicker had that 53 yarder there at mercedes-benz stadium in atlanta and gave the bulldogs a big win now the florida gators have a senior returning and he's a transfer Coming in from Stark Vegas, Jace Chrisman. He was the Bulldogs' all-time leading scorer at 219 points. And now, as a senior, he abandoned Stark Vegas 
and now goes back to join, I guess he was on the roster at Mississippi State when Dan Mullen was there at one time. And Chrisman is going to be a Florida Gator kicker for his final season of college football. Chrisman at Mississippi State owned the Bulldogs record for consecutive PATs with 95, and he's tied for the top field goal percentage at 80%. And those are just some of the great kickers. Kickers often not getting the kind of attention they deserve. But here on the Y'all Show, we love our kickers. And a lot of times these guys come through in clutch moments to give their respective teams a big, big win. See LSU winning over Florida 2020, if you don't believe me. (laughs) When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to switch over and talk about the Tigers, but it won't be the LSU Tigers or the Auburn Tigers or the Missouri Tigers of the SEC. It's the Memphis Tigers. And Ryan Silverfield is the coach of the Blue and Gray, and they are our Southern College Football Showcase for this Thursday as we're on a 44-city tour across the southeast. And we'll let you know about Go Tigers Go! What's going on in Memphis with the Tigers? That showcase is up next right here on Talk with a Southern Accent. Tiger fans, for a long time, a lot of people around the country had no idea the Memphis Tigers had a football team. And now, thanks to the last couple of years, the Memphis Tigers have gone to a New Year's Six Bowl. They have won the AAC. They won a bowl game in a crazy 2020 season. And people are really interested in the Memphis Tigers in West Tennessee and throughout the Mid-South. And who can blame them? Welcome back. This is the Y'all Show I'm John Rawl, and we are on a tour of some of the great Southern College programs across the South in what we call a 44-city tour, getting you ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. I know you're excited. That's why we're going to take this opportunity over the next few weeks to give you all the good stuff on our various college football teams. We're on a 44-city tour. And we need an intro to get you ready for this 44-city tour. The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College football tour stop. Here's Johnny. Uh, I like that intro. I really do. And I like to talk about great football teams like the Memphis Tigers. And that's what we're, again, doing right here on 
this Thursday y'all show. Ryan Silverfield is the coach of the Tigers in his first full season as the Tiger skipper in 2020. The Tigers went 8-3 and three and went to the Montgomery Bowl where they won in that game over the Florida Atlantic Owls 25-10. So they advance into this season with a lot of expectations. The boys in blue and gray. The Memphis Tigers begin their season at home on the 4th of September. That's the Labor Day weekend Saturday. The Colonels out of Nichols State. The fighting Colonels out of Thibodeau. Come on up to the Bluff City and the Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium is the host site for this matchup. The Tigers have an old foe they play at their place. Arkansas State, it's a road game on September 11th this year. Then they have Mississippi State coming in to the Bluff City for a big game. A lot of fans will be there for that one when the Tigers and the Bulldogs get together. Then they kick off their conference action, American Conference action, on the road at Temple October 2nd at Tulsa October 9th. Then Navy, a recent AAC champion, the midshipmen, Come into Memphis for a game on a Thursday night. That'll be an ESPN broadcast. So the Memphis Tigers got a lot to play for. And Ryan Silverfield, the coach of the Tiger football team. Now, Memphis in their history have been in various conferences. They've been in this American conference for about six years now. They have won eight conference titles. They actually have already won two AAC titles in the history of this program. And so now Memphis, with a chance this year with Silverfield to kind of keep the bar going and keep the tradition of Memphis football going. They won back in 2014 the AAC when Justin Fuente was coaching the Tigers. That was a co-championship, technically. And then he immediately took off for Blacksburg and the Virginia Tech Hokies. Then Mike Norvell, back in 2019, had an amazing year when Memphis went 12-1 and and ended up being 7-1 and in conference play. 12 and 1 overall. And then they lost the Cotton Bowl. I think it was to Penn State that year. But a great season. Norvell ends up getting the job at Florida State. And that's when Ryan Silverfield comes in and takes over for the Memphis Tiger. Memphis's coach is a Hampton Sydney alum. He is 40 years old. He'll be turning 41 in less than a month. And he's been on the Memphis staff for a number of years now. He was with Norvell as first an offensive line coach, and then ended up being promoted to 2019 as an assistant head coach. And then when Norvell left, he got the head coaching job. And so far, he's 8-4 and four as a coach of the Blue and Gray. And the coach there of the Tigers, excited about the opportunity that Memphis has coming this year. Now, we're going to hear from him as he talks in this clip about his quarterback situation for the Memphis Tigers. And Kalen Brown is a returning quarterback. He was technically a redshirt freshman, I think, or he barely got any play in 2020, but he did get on the field a little bit, which is more than you can say about some of the other quarterbacks on the Tigers roster. Right now, if you look at what they have, they have four quarterbacks on their depth chart. Peter Parrish, who Coach Silverfield actually mentions a little bit about this sophomore out of Phoenix City, Alabama, in this clip. Also, Grant Gunnell, a sophomore out of Woodlands, Texas, in addition to Keelan Brown, a freshman from Zachary, Louisiana, and then the other quarterback is a freshman from Denton, Texas, Seth Hennigan. And the coach of the Tigers now talks about his quarterbacks and more about his 2021 football team as he recently spoke to the media. Here is the coach of the Memphis Tigers, Ryan Silverfield. 
you know, I think having, you know, Keelan is one of the few that actually, and there was a limited number, he actually took snaps as a Memphis football player in a Memphis football jersey that was allowed to last year. And I think that does make a difference, right? He had a full, you know, season in essence almost of learning this offense, getting the reps, live reps. You know, Peter was on our roster last year, but because he was ineligible, he got a lot of the scout team reps and those things. So you can say, well, he still had the opportunity to learn the offense. Well, it's a completely different deal when you're on a different field. Um, so Keelan, who's been part of it, yes, you could see the confidence. You're exactly right. I mean, I think it was pretty evident by everybody. And how do I compare that? Look, I'm just literally, I'm taking them all. They all have a blank slate and we're just seeing where they are, you know, shaking up the dice and see where they are. And so I don't sit there and say, well, he should. I mean, they're all at the same level, you know, um, and I certainly won't compare them to, the, you know, Brady White. You know, someone asked me that the other day. Well, how are they compared to Brady White? You can't right now. That's not fair. And that's shame on me if I do that. Uh, but I, like I said, they all bring different attributes. They all have different uh, things that they're good at and then things that they need to continue to work out like every quarterback. Um, but I, like I said, we got four capable ones. and It's, it's fun to watch that battle continue. Yeah, every year there's going to be angst and, and, and stress and uh, the unknowns, right? That's that's part of this profession uh, and part of dealing with 18 to 22-year-olds. There's always the unknowns. What are you getting uh, day in and day out, right? I mean, we've seen like that. The, the roster can change, um, and that's the nature of this whole thing. But I've got confidence in the way we do things as a program. Uh, you know, I've got a wonderful coaching staff and support staff, um, and I trust the process that we're going through. So, Again, kind of I mentioned not too high, not too low. It's just, hey, whatever happens, is we're, we're going to control what we can control um, and continue to pour into our guys, and I think we'll like that result. And so there's always that uncomfortable feeling because until that ball gets caught, look, I'm, I'm as nervous about Nickel State as I will be whatever game we play, and that's because that's the next one for us. Um, but, you know, I hate to say this, and my players probably don't want to hear this. I'm, I'm ready for August 1st to get here. Let's go and get training camp going, maybe catch our breath and get going. Uh, be back to a little bit of normal recruiting maybe this summer as well, but it'll be good that way. Ryan Silverfield, the coach of the Memphis Tigers. Again, they're looking to start their camp August 1st. Now, one of the things before the pandemic the Tigers did is they went over to Jackson and participated in a couple of days of practice at the former Lambeth College there, Lambeth University in Jackson, Tennessee. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that yet. If somebody knows the answer, whether the Tigers will be in Madison County this year for a training camp, if you will, Texas here at 803-816-1170. Because I thought that was really cool that a program the size of Memphis kind of steals a chapter out of the NFL ranks and goes on a little road trip during the middle of their camp getting ready for the season. And kind of like Bear Bryant did with the Junction boys. Mm, I don't know if Jackson, Tennessee is quite like Junction, Texas. But (laughs) Memphis football, again, Nickel State is the opener for the Tigers here in 2021 we're not done talking about the memphis tigers in hour three i'm going to let you know more about memphis as a university including their campus there the former lambeth campus is now the university of memphis lambeth and jackson tn but i'll tell you more about the campus and how they have more than twenty thousand students that are part of the tiger tradition we'll let you know about game day at memphis and also some of the other great traditions of the memphis tigers plus a list of some of the great alums of the University of Memphis, or maybe when they went there was Memphis State University. Oh, the good old days of the Metro Conference. (laughs) We'll have all that coming up in Hour 3 more on the Memphis Tigers. We've got another hour of y'all talk with a Southern accent coming your way. Don't miss out on the fun. It's talk with a Southern accent, and go Tigers go!
back in to talk with a Southern accent with the general of all things Southern, John Rawl, CSA Certified Southern American. Good to have you back here for another hour of continuous talk about Dixie. And we've got headlines that we'll be sharing with you, an update from Surfside, Florida. It's a very unfortunate update coming out of South Florida. I'll share that with you in a second. Also, news out of Tokyo. You're going to have to cancel your plans if you were planning on going to Tokyo and watch the Olympics as a spectator. I'll let you know about that in a moment. Plus, also coming up in the second hour of today's Y'all Show, we will be having more sports fun on the Y'all Show. We'll also be letting you know about the entertainment headlines of the day and all that's coming up in this second hour. We've got news coming out of country music we'll share with you. And then, as I said, some sports news. We're going to let you know all about the Sam Houston State Bearcats. Now, in hour one and coming up in hour three, we're still talking about the Memphis Tigers. They're one of our 44 cities that we're spotlighting this, kind of getting you ready for the 2021 start of college football edition of the Y'all Show here in this July month. But because we had a little problem on Tuesday, we did not offer a show. And I'm apologizing for that right now. We got to do a little catch up. So today I'm actually going to squeeze in here in the second hour, what should have been a full day's worth of spotlight. I'm going to, unfortunately for Sam Houston state fans out there, I'm going to have to squeeze you into just one segment, but we'll be letting you know all about the Bearcats of the FCS. They are the defending FCS national champions. And I'll let you know more about this program out of Huntsville, Texas, and tell you about some of the great alums and traditions of sam houston state how about them bearcats yeah we'll let you know about that here in this second hour of today's y'all show then we'll get back in hour three to tell you more about the memphis tigers okay but we're going to do a little catch up here with bearcats in this second hour plus we'll be having an accent on southern business coming your way in this hour of today's y'all show our website is y'all.com did you realize it's the south's homepage? if you didn't well let me tell you Let me tell you, sister and brother, it's y'all.com, the South's homepage. Just put up a story on Wednesday night. A lot of you might find very interesting, especially if you own a home. So go check out that article, Hot Off the Press, How to Keep Your Southern Home Fresh and Ready for Company. Oh, is somebody coming to pay you a visit? Well, Ainsley Lawrence has that article up, and it's free of charge. Go read how to... Get your house ready for company when company's coming over, and that'll help you. Plus, we got Tricks of the Trade with John Allen, Jimmy Duke. That's posted there at y'all.com and so many other great articles. And, of course, we put the Y'all Show there each and every day. And many of those interviews, you can sit there in the comfort of your car or office or home or bedroom or out on the tractor when you're plowing the fields of the Southland. You can watch yours truly do interviews with some of the great interviewees across the Southland. It's y'all.com. Let's dive into some more of the headlines of today's y'all show. And unfortunately, an update out of Florida today, Surfside, where authorities they say, authorities there now indicating there's no chance of life after the Surfside condo collapse has now switched the search there from a rescue now to a recovery. So according to the officials on the ground there in Miami-Dade, no chance of life 
unfortunate news. So we're likely going to see this death toll get up to 150 souls lost in this condo collapse from the last two weeks. Also out of Florida, a person has been killed in the Sunshine State as a result of Tropical Storm Elsa, which made its way across the Gulf Coast of Florida and into that uh, Big Bend area of the Sunshine State as the wind of the storm at one point was around 60. Now those winds today down around 40 as it's making its way through North and South Carolina on into portions of Virginia, but more into the coast, the Atlantic coast, and perhaps back out to sea. That's what most people expect. But one person killed in Florida and several sailors are people working at the Kings Bay Naval Submarine Base in Georgia that's in Kingsland, Georgia, Kingsland, Georgia, in Camden County. A possible tornado strike there at this Navy base, a submarine base at that. And 10 people reported injured at the sub base there in southeast Georgia, about 45 minutes north of Jacksonville, Florida, is where you have that. But one Floridian reported killed when this hurricane and, and then turned into a tropical storm went through that area over the last 24 to 48 hours. Our thoughts there with the good people of Florida and Georgia as they look to get past this storm here this weekend. Let's tell you about gas prices. Mississippi has some of the lowest gas prices in the good old U.S. of A. right now. I often pass through the Magnolia State, and I usually try to get there with an empty tank. Because if you hit it right, you can find the lowest gas prices, at least anywhere that I'm aware of. And Mississippi is doing quite good, according to AAA, as right now the lowest regular mid-grade diesel prices in the U.S. can be found within the borders of Mississippi. While the national average price of a gallon of gas is $3.13, in Mississippi, a gallon of regular fuel right now goes for an average of 275 and it also in Mississippi has the lowest price for diesel for all you big big rig drivers and some of you with those big old trucks that need a lot of diesel 292 is the the expense that'll set you back on average in Mississippi now Mississippi compared to the complete opposite California and that's the complete opposite on so many levels California's average price for a gallon of gas Four dollars and thirty cents. Hawaii is four oh two. Now, how can gas be more expensive in California than in Hawaii? This does not make sense. So, oh, let's do the math here. Mississippi's one seventy five or two seventy five, rather. Oh, if I said one seventy five, I think the whole region would be going down to Mississippi or over to Mississippi or up to Mississippi <laughs> and getting some gas. Two seventy five. Compared to four thirty, that's what a dollar thirty plus uh, almost a dollar sixty cents difference in the price of gas between Mississippi and California. And we wonder why so many people in California are, are deciding to move to places outside of California. Although I don't think too many Californians are moving to Mississippi. I could be wrong. It could be the new hotspot for the Silicon Valley is to go to Water Valley <laughs> or other good places in the great state of Mississippi. 
An update from the WWE world as wrestler Jimmy Uso arrested again for DUI in Florida. Uso, whose real name is Jonathan Salofa Fetu, booked into the Escambia County Jail in Pensacola early this week. And I mean early in the morning on Tuesday. And he was charged once again for driving under the influence. The 35-year-old WWE wrestler released on a $500 bond. Now, this is the second time Fetu was arrested in DUI charges in Pensacola. He was arrested back in 2019 for the same crime, but was found not guilty. How can you be found not guilty? Because I know I've been watching videos of people being arrested. Don't tell me why. Don't, don't, don't ask me why I get caught up on YouTube and start seeing all these arrest videos. I spent over an hour just last evening watching an Ocala, Florida off duty cop being arrested for DUI from 20, 18 i think it was (laughs) and it was quite a spectacle because she was an undercover cop i think and she wrecked her car leaving a local honky-tonk there in ocala and the it was bad enough that she was drunk she said she'd been drinking wasn't like she was trying to hide it but unfortunately for this law enforcement officer from ocala she wrecked her car right into a power pole and so that really set off the sparks if you know what i mean i don't know what happened i'm sure she probably lost her job but uh, uh pretty pretty weird the way they handle a lot of these videos i also while i'm all, while i'm talking about it to tell you about some of the good must see tv that uh, your boy john watches when he's not doing the y'all show that's why i need to do this show more often i think we're going to switch to a 24 hour a day y'all show I think you would tune in, would you not? Come on, help me out now. I'm thinking about it. But I spent also on Wednesday about 45 minutes. This had nothing to do with DUI, but the same maybe YouTuber put out another video from their channel of Gretchen Wilson, the country music singer, Miss Redneck Woman, being kicked out of her Las Cruces, New Mexico hotel And I really felt sorry for Gretchen Wilson. This happened a couple of years ago down there, and it's now on YouTube. Probably been there for a few years, but it's all coming from police body cam footage. And essentially, in this case, Gretchen Wilson had played a concert in Las Cruces and went back to the hotel late after the concert with her fiancé. And reports started coming into the front desk of this pretty nice hotel of this loud noise coming from Room 716, I think I even know the freaking number. How crazy is that? (laughs) And so, ultimately, the manager of the hotel says, we got to get them out of there. I don't care if they're a country music star or not, Grammy winner, kick them out of my hotel. So they have to get the cops to do that. So three law enforcement officers from Los Cruces, New Mexico, go knocking on the door at Gretchen Wilson's hotel room at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. Ma'am, you got to leave. And who wants to be kicked out of their hotel room, whatever the reason? But honestly, I don't think Gretchen Wilson was guilty. I mean, she was crying. She's like, we didn't make any noise. You can see it's just me and my fiance. And I mean, the room was not a mess. I, I, I think it could have been a mistaken deal. But the bottom line, 
And this is what our law enforcement has to do every day while they're working and being great heroes. They have to follow the rules and the law. And in, in a lot of cases, if not every case, if a property owner wants you gone from their property, you got to go. And that's what the cops show up there for. The cops have to kind of be an umpire, but in the end, it's going to be the property owner that wins. And when you're awakened at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, and you're a star like Gretchen Wilson is, you don't want to leave. And I don't blame her. And she thinks the cops are in on it, but they're really not. They're just doing what they have to do. And so she leaves. And she had nowhere to go because I think she was having a flight out the next morning. So who wants to go check into another hotel at 3 o'clock in the morning? I, I wouldn't do that. And I guess one positive thing is Las Cruces, New Mexico is a town that I've heard of. So they probably do have other things besides hotels you can do in the middle of the night. I'm sure there's at least one Waffle House she and her fiancé could have hung out for in and hung out in for several hours before they could get to a hotel and get the heck out of there. And if I were her, I wouldn't be going back to Las Cruces. Although Toby Keith once told me that's the best Mexican food he's ever had was in Las Cruces, New Mexico. I want to go there. The best, actually the best Mexican food I've ever had was in New Mexico, but it was at the Albuquerque airport. Best I've ever had. And I just have to travel a couple hours south of Albuquerque to get down to Las Cruces to check out what Toby Keith told me once. But his fellow country music singer, Gretchen Wilson, again, that video is up if you want to see it. And and I'm really proud of her because I really thought this would be a train wreck for her when I saw the video pop up. You know, country music star kicked out a hotel. And it's coming from the police camera, body cam footage. But I, you kind of feel sympathetic for the, for the star. And, eh, you know, it gives you a perspective of what it's like to be a, a star from a police body cam standpoint. And Gretchen Wilson, who's been in the news for doing some not-so-smart things in her career, this video, I think, actually does a lot of good for her. And I... I'm kind of a fan of hers. I was anyway. I consider Redneck Woman to be the most memorable, best, if you will, song that came out in that entire 2000 to 2010 decade. That was a monster hit. You could go back to say Achy Breaky Heart was also a huge hit from that previous decade. And then, of course, you got to throw in Friends in Low Places. But those kind of uh, landmark songs... We didn't have a lot of those in that entire decade, and at least in country music. And Redneck Woman, I, I just and I know a lot about country music, y'all. I've covered it for gosh thirty years, <laughs> and worked on Sixteenth Avenue in Nashville. Uh, Redneck Woman was probably number one in my book for that entire two thousand to two thousand ten decade. A lot bigger song, a lot more memorable than the fifty forgettable songs that Tim McGraw probably put out in that same de- decade. <laughs> All right, I'll be shutting up now talking about Gretchen Wilson videos at uh, 10 o'clock at night here on the Y'all Show. By the way, I followed Gretchen Wilson up, and I can't tell you as much about this as I did the Gretchen Wilson video. I watched the body cam footage of this country music real-life singer, and I followed that up with a viewing of A Star is Born. That is the Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper movie, and I watched that. 
And that might be a little bit of reason that I'm dragging here on this Thursday, y'all show. That's a great movie. Now, that's made up. It's a mythical movie of, of singers and big stars, but it's very good. It really gives you a great perspective of the celebrity celebrity-dom of people like Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper, not necessarily a singer, but an actor and a director, but a very good movie. And I think parts of that were filmed in the South. I know they were doing some work in Franklin, Tennessee at some point while working on that. So check it out. If you're looking for a good movie, I really, really highly recommend A Star is Born. And Lady Gaga, I'm not necessarily going to go out and buy her record anytime soon, but she's very talented to give you just a little bit of idea on her. But right now, this guy, Jimmy Uso, WWE, he is having his own real-life experience again reliving the world of being a WWE wrestler being arrested for DUI. And something tells me in the coming days, or if not hours, heck, it might already be posted, we'll be able to watch the arrest video of Jimmy Uso of WWE fame being arrested by an Escambia County, Florida deputy for a second Dewey allegation coming to us from Florida this week. And lastly, in our headlines across the Southeast, a grandmother in Baltimore has been released from the authorities after violating parole. Now, what did this grandma do in Baltimore? She violated parole because she did not answer her telephone. 76-year-old Gwen Levy was serving a multi-decade sentence for drug conspiracy when the coronavirus pandemic began. And then under a previous presidential administration decision, more than 24,000 Nonviolent inmates were allowed to serve the rest of their sentences in home confinement in an effort to help stop the spread of COVID-19. And this 76-year-old grandmother was one of those thousands of inmates allowed to go home after being in jail for quite some time. So she goes home, she's in Baltimore, and it I guess she didn't answer the telephone. And who can blame her? If you have a landline or even a cell phone, you're likely getting lots of crazy calls, usually from people trying to sell you car insurance or some other kind of wacky thing. You know what I'm talking about. But she did not return and respond to numerous calls, and that was considered a violation of her parole, and she was arrested. And the Federal Bureau of Prisons deemed her lack of response an escape. And so she gets arrested and put back in jail. But now she's been released and she's back at home. This time, 76-year-old Gwen Levy, you might want to be answering that telephone call. (laughs) It could be your probation officer checking in on you. We don't want you to go back to jail, Grandma. We'll have more headlines across the southeast that we'll get to. Also, let me tell you real quick before we get out of here on this timeout. Tokyo, the Olympics are about to happen in Now, Tokyo, the Olympics, they have officially announced they're going to ban spectators after Tokyo has declared a COVID-19 state of emergency. So if you've got those tickets to Tokyo as a spectator, you might want to try to go get what's that right there is my phone crashing. I'm trying to get on the phone now and cancel my airplane ticket to Tokyo. No spectators. It's going to be a weird thing to see the Olympics without spectators, but that's the latest it looks like they're going to at least try to put it on. This is the Olympics again that was supposed to be placed into the year 2020. And here's another unbelievable thing coming for the Tokyo Olympics. I'm not so sure it's going to happen. 
with this latest Delta strain of the coronavirus and so many places, including countries way behind on vaccinations. And here you are having people from all over the world gather in one spot for two to three weeks. I'm not saying it's going to get canceled, but I'm saying they're likely going to have a cancellation. Are you going to have a lot of, in my opinion, countries forbid their teams from going to Tokyo to participate? Watch that to happen. Watch that to be announced pretty soon. There's my prognostication. I'm not going to talk about the Olympics all that much here on the y'all show. I think the Olympics have turned into nothing more than a commercial for Nike. And I don't want to sit here and give all these athletes who I've never heard of and will never hear from again, for the most part, a lot of attention on a show about the South. So I'll, whenever, when and if the Olympics start happening in a couple of days, we are not going to go overboard with Olympics coverage. So just in case you're wondering, there's an Olympic update from the Y'all Show, but no spectators allowed at this year's Olympics in Tokyo. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we have an entertainment report coming to you. We've got stars and more from Hollywood to Nashville and more. It's our entertainment update. Plus, don't forget Sam Houston State. We'll be spotlighting the Bearcats before the hour's up. This is the Y'all Show. It's the Kosciuszko girl, Oprah Winfrey, and news out of the Mississippi native and Tennessee State University alumni, Oprah and Gail King. They're out this week with a story explaining the secret to their long-term best friendship. You know, usually women who are in the same profession don't necessarily get along all that well, but Oprah and Gail have been friends for over 40 years. They say their deep bond is due to a lack of jealousy over each other and a genuine happiness for their respective achievements. (laughs) This was posted on Oprah Daily, and the two sat side by side. One is now 66, and one is 67 years young, and friends for 40 years. And I've always wanted to find out how in the world they got to be friends, and I've tried to do the tracing If they've been friends for 40 years, that essentially means they met when they were in their late 20s. And I know Oprah got her TV start in Nashville, I think at WKRN Channel 2. I think I'm right on that. And then ended up in Baltimore. And perhaps maybe that's where Gail worked also as an anchor or correspondent at that time back in, gosh, 40 years ago, early 80s, before Oprah got on TV. And now... Gail's all over the television. These two friends are besties, and kudos to them. Again, 
You can find that interview in its entirety at Oprah Daily, a video interview of these two friends. I thought Oprah Winfrey, and, and maybe I'm a little bit early on this projection, I really thought at some point she was going to weigh the waters of politics and run for something. I guess part of her problem is, where is she going to run from? I mean, where is she going to represent? Is she going? Well, she probably just needs to run for president because she, I know, has a presence in California. She might even still live in the Chicago area. Some I don't really know where she lives, but I think she primarily lives in the L.A. area, and she also has a house in Hawaii. I know she doesn't have a house in Kosciuszko. I, I'm pretty sure on that one. And she doesn't have a house. I, I had a chance to talk to her daddy one time, Vernon Winfrey. And I asked him, you know, Mr. Winfrey, where are you from? And he said he was from West Mississippi. Well, as a former Mississippi resident and a guy who claims to know a lot about Mississippi, Usually when people tell you they're from a certain area of Mississippi, they say they're from either like North Mississippi or Central Mississippi or even South Mississippi. They might tell you they're from the Delta. They could be from the coast. I've never heard anybody say I'm from West Mississippi, like the Western portion, kind of like you'd say West Tennessee or West Texas. And Mr. Winfrey told me he was from West Mississippi. And so I had to pull out my old random McNally, and sure enough, there is no region of Mississippi called West Mississippi. It's actually a town, and it's right down the road from Kosciuszko, which is in central Mississippi, Atala County, if you're keeping score at home. And that's about 45 minutes due north of Jackson, the state capital. And west is right off of Interstate 55 as you travel between Grenada and Jackson, Mississippi. Again, if you're keeping score at home. So I had to learn where West Mississippi was. So there you have it. Thank you, Vernon, who was a barber in Nashville, East Nashville to be specific, and was still practicing as a barber a few years ago when I spoke to him, even though his baby girl, Oprah, was one of the most famous people in all the country. Pretty cool story. All right, Suzanne Douglas. She is not from the South. She was raised, I think, up North, but sadly, the parenthood star has died at the age of 64 suzanne douglas an accomplished stage and screen actress who starred tap and the tv series the parenthood dying at age 64 no cause of death shared this week she was a native of chicago and she also had a lot of other film credits like whitney how stella got her groove back school of rock and the inkwell 64-year-old actress Suzanne Douglas of the Parenthood fame dying this week. Now to some country music stars news and Casey Musgraves. She's a good old East Texas girl. She is recalling now an epic night of partying with Willie Nelson. And she says, huh, I don't really know what happened. Well, I would think so if you're partying with Willie Nelson. But on a recent appearance of the Late Late Show, she recalled the story of parting with Willie after the 2019 CMA Awards, and she won Female Vocalist of the Year and Music Video of the Year honors that year. And she went and partied with Willie Nelson. Now, I've been to a few CMA Awards after parties, and I don't remember Willie Nelson ever showing up 
for any of the awards that I went to or parties. I do remember one time, it was the only time I ever saw Mary Chapin Carpenter, speaking of great country music stars, I went to a CMA after party one time at Warner Brothers Records back when Travis Tritt was rocking and rolling. And Mary Chapin Carpenter was hanging out there at Warner Brothers for their party, and she was not a Warner Brothers recording artist. And I don't know, still don't know why she was there, but I, that's the only time I ever saw her because MCC, great country music singer of the 1990s, to my knowledge, did not live in Nashville and still doesn't live in Nashville. She, I think she continued to live primarily in Virginia, her native state, when she even was a big hit maker in country music. But that's some CMA knowledge coming to you from Casey Musgraves partying with Willie Nelson, and she doesn't really know how that happened. I know how it probably happened, and it probably had something to do with Willie saying, hey, would you like to come outside and hang out with me for a minute? Or maybe they didn't even go outside. They, If you're Willie Nelson, you can just uh, light it up wherever you want to, I guess. Although he says nowadays he does not smoke marijuana. I think he takes it and, and, and ingests it is the way I do believe he hangs out. Well, another pairing of country music greats, Tim McCraw. He got on stage with Alabama as Alabama, the group Alabama. They've launched a 50-city tour and just... The other day, July 2nd and 3rd, they had back-to-back shows at Nashville's Bridgestone Arena, and Tim McGraw jumped up on stage and joined Jeff Cook, Teddy Gentry, and Randy Owen of Alabama for some good, good music. In fact, I got a quote here coming from a video that was put out, and it has Tim McGraw saying, It's been 482 days since they've had a concert at Bridgestone Arena. I've never seen Alabama live. I know every song off of every album. I could probably do the whole show. I'm getting on stage with them tonight. This is the first time I've ever seen them in concert, and I get to go on stage. How about that? He joined them, Tim Graw, for a singing of Lady Down on Love. And he also, I think, performed some other songs with Alabama. There's a pretty cool video out from the Tim McGraw on social media you can see the video of tim up on stage with some of his heroes randy teddy and jeff of alabama again on a 50 city tour right now pretty cool and i hope to see that just like tim i have never seen alabama in concert myself and that is one on my bucket list and i'm glad to hear that they're often going with more great music and that is a quick look at what's going on in an entertainment perspective across the southeast here on this thursday edition of talk with the southern accent when we come back we will continue the fun of this second hour we're going to tell you all about the sam houston state bearcats they are the national champions of fcs football and we're going to let you know about the bearcats as they get ready for the 2021 season it's part of our 44 city tour of the south this is y'all getting you ready for college football's kickoff labor day weekend The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College football tour stop. Here's Johnny. Johnny. 
Well, thank you, Jimmy. And we are just two months away, in some cases a little less than two months away, for the start of the college football season. It's going to be a big year, and Jimmy just told you it's going to be the biggest one ever. I know 2021 is already guaranteed to be the biggest year in the history of Sam Houston State. And why? Because the Bearcats have already won a national championship in college football. It was at the end of April that they went over to Frisco and the Bearcats claimed the FCS National Championship because FCS football was postponed back in the fall of 2020 until the spring. And Sam Houston State defeated South Dakota State in the FCS National Championship game for 2020, which was played again in 2021. And so you got a national championship already for SHSU. And they are our college football spotlight is we are on a 44 city tour and today we're doing double duty we've already told you a little bit about the memphis tigers we will continue to tell you about some of the great traditions of memphis in hour three but right now it's all about kc keeler and the sam houston state bearcats as they won that national championship game 23 to 21 it was a fantastic win won it at the buzzer in frisco and they win their second national championship in school history really their first in division one football they also claim a championship back in 64 but the bearcats 2020 national champions and they want to win a second national championship here in 2021 technically the fall of 2021 there's a lot going on with sam houston state that is why one of the reasons we wanted to spotlight them they are one of only two fcs programs that we're going to give you a little information about as we walk through our 44-city tour of college football programs across the southeast before we hit Labor Day weekend. Sam Houston State, they were chosen because they're the defending national champion of college football's FCS subdivision. Sam Houston State located in Huntsville, and they've been playing football since 1912. So more than 100 years of having great football teams there in the piney woods of texas the orange and white of shsu they play at bowers stadium steve bowers where are you they got a stadium named after you there Twelve thousand five hundred seats there at bowers stadium in huntsville texas and sam houston state looking at their upcoming schedule for the 2021 fall season they've already had a 2021 spring what's going on this year they start in flagstaff arizona against the Lumberjacks of Northern Arizona on September 2nd. Then they will be playing at home in Huntsville when SEMO, Southeast Missouri, comes to call into Huntsville for a game on September 11th. Now, here's one reason we're telling you about Sam Houston State on today's Y'all Show. They are switching conferences this year. They have been a longtime member of the Southland Conference, and Sam Houston State, alongside some of their fellow Texas teams, and that would be... The good old Lumberjacks, the ones found in Texas, not just the ones in northern Arizona. And that would be good old the out of Nacogdoches, Texas. Yeah, they're, they're also joining this new whack. And then you have a team, Stephen F. Austin, is who I was referring to, the Lumberjacks out of Nacogdoches. You also have Lamar. And Tarleton State, which is a newcomer to FCS football, those four Texas schools have now become members of the WAC, 
the good old WAC. Remember the days of BYU, Air Force, and more? Well, the WAC has kind of reformed to be a FCS-level football conference, and Sam Houston State is leaving the Southland Conference this year, and they're going to be in the WAC. Now, the WAC doesn't have enough teams to get an automatic berth for this year's playoffs, so it's a weird deal here in 2021. But ultimately, Sam Houston State is going to be in a conference with teams out of Utah like Dixie State and some other smaller schools way out west. I don't really know what the justification was to go and join this WAC conference, but Sam Houston State this year going to be moving over into this different conference, and they'll be WAC members. They play a bunch of games. I love each year, speaking of the Lumberjacks, they play Stephen F. Austin each year at the Houston Texans' home, NRG Stadium, the Battle of the Piney Woods. That usually is sometimes on national TV, and it's pretty cool to see 30,000 fans for an FCS football game. But you have that when these two old rivals from East Texas get together there in Houston when SFA and SHSU tangle on the gridiron. Now, Sam Houston State this year, I'm looking at their schedule. They don't have a money game on the schedule. I would love to see them suit up and play the Texas A&Ms or Texases of the world, but they don't have a money game. I, I guess they're making all that money from a national championship here in 2021 already. But Bearcat football, they won a lot of games throughout the year. They've got eight conference titles to their credit. Their biggest rivalry is that Stephen F. Austin Piney Woods battle. But SHSU, Huntsville, Texas. As a university, Sam Houston State, it boasts a bunch of students. 21,000 on campus there in Huntsville. And Huntsville is on the interstate between between Houston and Dallas, if you are not familiar with where Huntsville. Also, it's the home of Texas's big penitentiary where they kill people in the electric chair. That's also what Huntsville, Texas is known for. But Sam Houston State was started back in 1879. And it's got a lot of people who've gone there through the years. Some of their most famous alums, we will go ahead and tell you probably the most famous alum from SHSU is Dan Rather. He got a B.A. in journalism back in 1953. Congratulations, Bearcat. Dan Rather. Also, you have a couple of beauty queens have been SHSU alums. A lot of athletes. Y'all remember Walt Anderson, the kind of really southern-talking NFL ref? Walt Anderson, an SHSU alum. You also have bunches of NFL players and more business leaders from across Texas have ended up going to Sam Houston State. Politics-wise, lawyers, judges, all over the place. It's a very, very large alumni base, again, for Sam Houston State. What are some of the traditions at Sam Houston State? Well, in addition to playing SFA in the Battle of the Piney Woods, they have the Tree of Light Ceremony. It's one of the oldest and revered traditions on the Huntsville campus. And it involves several events going on that week. It's part of homecoming. They have there at SHHU the Ring Ceremony, where the 
folks getting ready to graduate, I guess juniors and seniors get their college ring from SHHU. I guess they're trying to compete with the school up the road and College Station with having a big tradition deal of getting the ring. Sam Houston State's motto is, the measure of a life is its service, and so they have something called Bearcat All Paws In, and that's a tradition there where they go out and help the local community in Huntsville, Texas, in an effort to reach out and do the right thing. Sam Houston State got some traditions. They're a WAC member now. And we wanted to give you a few minutes of telling you all about the Bearcats, your 2020 college football national champions on the FCS level. And get ready there at Bauer Stadium. It's going to be rocking when KC Killer, who has won a national championship twice now, he won a national championship coaching the Delaware Blue Hens, and then Sam Houston State pulled him away from Delaware to be the coach at Sam Houston State. And now, in his seventh season in 2020, he won a national championship. Way to go, Bearcats. By the way, Bearcats at SHSU is spelled B-E-A-R-K-A-T-S. I don't know how that – that's something I should have looked up and shared with you how in the world they got that kind of unusual spelling of the word Bearcat – as their nickname but that's the case again shhu sam houston state the bearcats open their 2021 season on the road in flagstaff against northern arizona and then they'll be home in huntsville on september 11th when the red hawks of southeast missouri fly over from cape Girardeau in an ovc whack battle on september 11th so good luck bearcats in the 2021 season and hopefully If you're a Bearcat fan, your 2021 season will be just about as good as your 2020 season because that spring season of earlier this year brought you your first FCS national championship. We're not done talking college football in hour three. We're going to go back to Memphis and tell you more about the Memphis Tigers and some of the great traditions and alumni of the University of Memphis. All that's coming ahead in hour number three. Up next on the Y'all Show, don't miss out. Kobe Bennett is going to be filing a Southern accent on Southern business. That's up next. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. southern accent here's a business south update from y'all.com i'm kobe bennett coca-cola has been the hot topic as of late following repeated controversies this year's including georgia's controversial voting law now the atlanta-based soft drink empire has announced that they will be raising prices in order to combat higher commodity costs coke isn't the first company making this move following in the footsteps of fellow corporate giants including kimberly clark and jm smucker the goal of the price hike is to return profit margins back to pre-pandemic levels. Coca-Cola CEO James Quincy told CNBC's Sarah Eisen on Squawk on the Street that while they are well hedged in 21, there's a pressure buildup for 22, and so there will have to be some price increases. He added that they intend to manage said price points intelligently, thinking through the way they use package sizes in order to optimize price points for consumers. Quincy did not cite which products would be receiving higher price tags. Coca-Cola's shares rose less than 1% following their first quarter reports. Demand for the soft drink last March reached pre-pandemic levels, though company higher-ups clarified that they are witnessing an uneven global recovery. Business news, headlines, and more at y'all.com. Oh, don't tell me we're going to have to have a bottle of Coke cost about the same price as a gallon of gasoline, Kobe. 
Oh, I hope that's not the case. Thank you for that information on Southern Business. That will wrap up Hour 2 of our Thursday Y'all Fun. We're not done, though. Got a whole nother hour of talk with a Southern accent queued up and coming at you after the break. We got a sports update. We'll tell you more about the great traditions of the Memphis Tigers. And also, we've got more news coming across the South, plus a look at some of the great festivals and events taking place across Dixie this weekend. Talk with a Southern accent. That's what we're all about, y'all. Sports information coming your way in just a second. Plus, we have information on the traditions and famous alums of the University of Memphis. How about them Tigers? Or should I say, go Tigers, go. GTG. <laughs> also, this third hour of our Thursday Y'all Show, we've got a look at more news going on across the Southeast today. Plus, before the hour is up, we'll be telling you the breakdown of some great festivals and events taking place across 16 southern states this very weekend all right here our research teams put a lot of work into this third hour we don't want you to miss out on the fun we're the show all about the south we are y'all talk with a southern accent i am general john rawl csa certified southern american and if you want to get involved you can text us at 803-816-1170 we're available for you to reach out to us 24 7 with anything you got going on across the southeast it is a privilege to be back here with you and let's get into what's going on sports headlines as we told you hour number two it's just been announced today no fans will be welcomed at the upcoming olympics in tokyo japan no fans in the stands i think that's going to dramatically affect the way these olympic games go off and as i also warns you not that you care about what i say about the olympics but look for some of these Olympic teams to kind of back out here at the last minute and not show up in Tokyo. And there's a chance that the whole games might get canceled. They already got postponed from 2020 into 2021. Anything's possible in today's coronavirus world. And right now, the big news today from Tokyo, no fans allowed to attend the 2020-2021 Olympic Games. Well, fans were in attendance in Tampa, and on Wednesday night, congratulations to the NHL's Tampa Bay Lightning back-to-back Stanley Cup champs as they closed out their series with Montreal, and they defeated the Canadians in Game 5 with a 1-0 victory. And they win the series 4-1, and the Lightning, your back-to-back Stanley Cup champs. Tremendous win you're having a back-to-back champion. The first time that's been done since the 2016-2017 Pittsburgh Penguins won back-to-back Stanley Cup titles. And now you're seeing a team from Florida, of all places, get a back-to-back championship in hockey. That's very good, A. It is very good. And way to go, Lightning. A dynasty in the making now in Florida. Is that Pinellas County where Tampa is? I I think it is. That might be St. Petersburg. It doesn't matter. Tampa Bay Lightning Stanley Cup champions. NBA finals continuing. Game two set for this evening. You got the Milwaukee Bucks and Phoenix Suns 
Going into game two, Phoenix has a 1-0 series lead. This game tips off 9 Eastern, 8 o'clock Central on ABC. Phoenix can close out this opening two rounds in Phoenix by winning two games, perhaps, and then going to Milwaukee where game three is set for Sunday evening. And Phoenix could go to Milwaukee with a 2-0 series lead. Or the Bucks can come back off the mat and even this thing up as they go back to Milwaukee with a chance to – can they close it out? Let's see. I know games three and four are set for Milwaukee. I guess they don't have a schedule going forward past game – well, let's see here. Is there a game schedule? Game five? Yeah, game five is back in Phoenix. So it's two games in Phoenix followed by two two games in Milwaukee. Then it's back to Phoenix – I like the old days of 2-3-2, two, two. but they would go back to Phoenix if they had to. Then a game six would be back in Milwaukee, and I bet you the other one would be, if they got to a game seven, that would be in Phoenix on July 22nd. So we still potentially have two more weeks of the NBA Finals. That is just crazy, y'all. <laughs> that's just ridiculous that it would go on this long, but that's, I guess, what they want for the ratings Right now, it can just be a four-game series, and the Suns can just close it on out if they win the second game and then go to Milwaukee and win the next two there. Major League Baseball news. We've given you a little bit of information about what's going on with Trevor Bauer. Now, his team, the Dodgers, have pulled the Cy Young award-winning pitchers merchandise out of their online store, I guess, and definitely out of their store there at Dodger Stadium. They also have canceled, I think, a bobblehead night scheduled for Trevor Bauer. He's been placed on administrative leave. He was put on that by Major League Baseball. All this comes from allegations of sexual assault. And under the Major League Baseball's domestic violence policy rule, which was collectively bargained with players, MLB is allowed to place players on leave for seven days, even if no criminal charges are brought forth. But right now, it looks like Trevor Bauer is not expected back into the clubhouse with the Dodgers when his seven-day leave ends on Friday. A rough couple of days for Bauer. Bauer was likely to start before the All-Star break as a pitcher. That All-Star break begins on July 12th. So are we just a couple of days away? Yeah, I guess we are from the All-Star game in Colorado when it should have been in Atlanta. Stolen by the Major League Baseball away from the Braves for political reasons. Yeah, they have also, the Dodgers, removed the Trevor Bauer bobblehead night from their promotional calendar. It was set for August 19th. And then all Trevor Bauer merchandise is pulled from the Dodgers team store. That's low down, y'all. This guy is alleged to have done something. He has not been convicted. And he's one of the biggest stars in baseball. And I told you in the previous hour about how I've wasted hours upon hours of watching these police videos of people getting arrested for DUIs. (laughs) Yeah, what an exciting life I live. I do live an exciting life when I pull up Trevor Bauer's vlog. He's got a vlog out, been doing it a few years, 
and Trevor Bauer essentially has gone around with a, just a simple camera and documented his life. And it's really good. It's very well produced. You really get to see an insider look at being a professional baseball player. And usually you see that because it's just Bauer and his little camera that he totes around. It's not like he's got a whole crew with him at all times. And so I know he's accused of domestic violence and and sexual assault specifically. Assuming he might be innocent, I'm going to brag on him for a second. I really have enjoyed this video. And I'm not sure that one of the ladies I saw in that might have been the woman accusing him of sexual assault. I don't know if a name's been released, but there is a, a woman that shows up sometimes on his vlog and I, I've never been told what the relationship was because I'm not sure that Trevor Bauer is in a serious relationship. The California native who's been a pitcher for the Indians and Reds and now with the Dodgers. Again, a Cy Young winning pitcher. I think he won it with the Reds last year, I think. And had an offseason deal with the Dodgers and got paid big time money to sign on with the Dodgers after they won the World Series in 2020 and he was not part of that team he signed in the offseason I think he did maybe he was on the team Uh, you know how baseball does these last minute maneuvers and pull in players right before the actual playoffs begin I don't think he was on the team though because I haven't seen him showing off the World Series ring on his vlog but one of the things I did see him do is right after he did sign his big-time Dodgers contract early this year. He rewarded himself, and he went out and he went really expensive car shopping. And here, I'm going to, again, shamelessly admit how ignorant I am on cars, at least, but certainly ignorant when it comes to fancy cars. And I had to get educated, thanks to Trevor Bauer, on some of these cars of today that cost hundreds and hundreds of thousands and sometimes millions of dollars because after Bauer signed his deal in the offseason with the Dodgers, he went and rewarded himself with a fancy new sports car. And he didn't want to have a Corvette, and he didn't want to have a Honda CRV. He wanted some kind of fancy European car. And so on his vlog, you got to go along with him to the dealerships in the Phoenix area and do a little fancy car shopping. But he had to get permission from his daddy to do that. His daddy, I guess, is his confidant, especially when it comes to money. And his dad said, okay, son, you've signed a more than $100 million contract with the Dodgers. Okay, I guess I'll give you permission to use over a million dollars and go buy you a fancy sports car. You've earned it, like E.F. Hutton. And so he went luxury car shopping. Now, here is what I'm going to tell you. I got educated on thanks to Trevor Bauer in his vlog. Some of these fancy cars, because I didn't, I just don't know enough about fancy cars. So I think he ended up buying a McLaren, but he was blown away by a car I had never heard of, a car brand. Okay, when you're Trevor Bauer, you get to do these kind of things. He did buy a McLaren, 
he also bought a Koenig's egg. And he was really highly considering a Ferrari, but he ends up buying two of these extremely expensive cars. And again, he earned it. He got over a $100 million. It was a $102 million three-year contract that he signed with the Dodgers. And I bet you the Dodgers are wanting out of it, and that's why they're essentially kicking him to the curb, and they're using this sexual assault allegation as a way to get out of their contract with Trevor Bauer. And he could be guilty. And he'll if guilty, he may never play Major League Baseball again. But before he was alleged to have been a sexual assaultee, a person alleged to have committed sexual assault, he went out car shopping. And his vlog shows him going to these dealerships. Okay, in the video, the woman that I saw he was with was Rachel Luba. And that, according to a website, is his agent. And I don't know if that's the woman accusing him of sexual assault. I guess it's not. I knew there was a woman in some of these videos. So he went to the Ferrari Scottsdale dealership and the McLaren Scottsdale dealership looking at these cars, including a Ferrari 488 Pista. But he ends up buying a Koenigsegg car. And I don't have the model number, but it's a beautiful car. I know in one of the videos, I think it's the Koenigsegg that he fell in love with because it was a rare paint color, maybe one of only 200. It might have been the only color like that in the world. And the crew that made that car all signed the engine, I think. I think it was the engine of this car with a big Sharpie. So you got all of the engineers and people on the factory floor with their signature on your car. Pretty neat stuff. Now, what about a Koenigsegg? I'm going to tell you briefly about this car company. Started in 1994, only 27 years old. It's a Swedish car. And that's why I had never heard of it. I have not been in the Swedish car market lately. And a Koenigsegg is a very fancy Swedish car that you can now get. And they have these weird-looking cars. They look like spaceships. But if you're a $103 million pitcher like Trevor Bauer, you can go out and buy one of these bad boys if you're into it. Let's tell you about a bad boy that's not only alleged to have done something bad in the sports world, he's now serving prison time. Angel Cabrera a PGA Tour golfer who has won a U.S. Open, and he won the Masters. And Cabrera has been sentenced to two years in prison for assaulting a former lover of his, and he's been sentenced in an Argentine court. The 51-year-old U.S. Open and Masters winner sentenced in the province of Cordoba, and that's about 500 miles northwest of Buenos Aires. And he, again has denied any wrongdoing in this case, but it doesn't matter. He's off to jail for quite some time. I guess he won't be playing in Augusta National in 2022. Cabrera won the U.S. Open in 2007, and then he won the Masters in a playoff in 2009, and he lost a 2013 Masters playoff to Adam Scott. Angel Cabrera in jail and may be there for quite some time. 
A member of the Oklahoma Sooners football team, Mikey Henderson, is off that squad as he was arrested recently and sought in connection with an alleged robbery, an alleged robbery that also included two other Oklahoma football players, Seth McGowan and Trahan Bridges. Now all three players off of Lincoln Riley's football team. Mikey Henderson in 2020 did see the action a little bit. He had a touchdown, at least one rushing touchdown and more. A football player of yesteryear has died at the age of 86. Dickie Magel, who was a star running back for the Rice Owls. And in the 1954 Cotton Bowl, it was Mr. Magel running down the sideline for Rice being tackled by an Alabama football player. Tommy Lewis was the player that tackled him on the sure touchdown. Magel ends up getting awarded the 95-yard TD. He also had very long runs of, I think one was about 70 yards in that 1954 Cotton Bowl. One was 79 yards, and he had another 34-yard touchdown run in the 1954 Cotton Bowl. 265 yards total rushing in that 1954 Cotton Bowl against Alabama. And that is still a single-game record for rushing for the Rice Owls. And he went on to play in the NFL. But one thing he did right after that bowl game is he and Mr. Lewis of Alabama went on the Ed Sullivan Show. And Lewis, the Alabama player who came off the sideline and decked Magel, who's he was running for a sure touchdown, Lewis explained that he did what he did because he was just too full of Alabama. And he couldn't watch this Rice player run on down uncontested for a TD. And so he did that rather awful thing. Dickie Magel has died at the age of 86. And that is what's going on sports-wise across the southeast here. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to keep the sports going from a college football perspective. We're going to continue our spotlight of the Memphis Tigers. We're going to shift over. Instead of talking X's and O's in the 2021 schedule, we're going to let you know more about Memphis Tiger football, the traditions. Tell me all about what happens there when the Tigers get ready for a big game there at the Liberty Bowl. Also, we'll let you know about some of the famous people who've gone to school at the University of Memphis, an American Athletic Conference member. We'll have all that coming up right after the break on Y'all Talk With a Southern Accent. Get your blue and gray out, Tiger fans. We're going to let you know all about Ryan Silverfield's program as we continue on with our spotlight. Memphis today, one of our 44 cities that we're traveling to, getting you ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. The Y'all Show is on the road and stopping by 44 of the South's great college football towns as we get y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Tailgates, traditions, fight songs. Can you feel the excitement? Here's Y'all Show host John Rawl to fire y'all up with today's great Southern College Football Showcase. And today... It is the University of Memphis. The Tigers are our college football spotlight. In addition to Sam Houston State, we had a little bit about the Bearcats an hour or two. But right now, it's back to talking about the Memphis Tigers, who have done a great job in the last few years with their football program. 
and we're going to talk about the Tigers and their traditions here in this third hour of our Y'all Show with the General of All Things Southern, John Rawl. The University of Memphis, located right there in Midtown Memphis, it started back in 1912 when Memphis State University, Memphis State College of West Tennessee, they've had a bunch of names. Now they go by the University of Memphis. They have a campus there in Midtown. They also have the former Lambeth University campus in Jackson, Tennessee, that they call now the University of Memphis Lambeth Campus. Niles Reddick, way to go there at UML. But the Tigers and the University of Memphis, they have over 22,000 students. They've got 17,000 undergraduates. They've got over 4,300 postgraduate students. The University of Memphis is a law school in downtown Memphis. And under President M. David Rudd, the University of Memphis has been driving forward and making great things happen in the classroom and on the athletic fields of the Memphis Tiger fan base for the last few years. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about some of the great traditions of Memphis here in this segment of the Y'all Show. Hour one, if you missed that, you can go back and to our podcast archives at the Y'all Show on y'all.com also we're available in the iHeartRadio app the TuneIn app and on Stitcher hour one we really did a great breakdown of this 2021 season forthcoming for Ryan Silverfield's team we heard the coach of the Tigers talk about his program in hour one Memphis begins the 2021 season at home at the Liberty Bowl against the Nickel State Colonels that game set for September 4th it's going to be an evening game there at Liberty Bowl Stadium when the U of M and Nickel State get together. Their first conference game is going to be taking place against Tipple, and Temple will be hosting that game in Philadelphia October 2nd. The first American Conference home game for Memphis is going to be on a Thursday night when the midshipmen of Navy come into Memphis for a game on ESPN October 14th. So quite a ways away before a big game. Also, a big game I should mention in September for the U of M. Mississippi State comes into Memphis for a game on September 18th. So the U of M and MSU, a battle between the SEC and the American Conference, and that's taking place September 18th. If you're a Memphis Tiger fan, some of the great traditions that you have when you go to the Liberty Bowl and see the Tigers play but one thing you've got to look forward to is Tom. Tom is the actual live mascot of the University of Memphis. And Tom actually is a Mississippian. Tom the Tiger lives actually in DeSoto County, Mississippi. I think some of the laws of Memphis kind of got a little bit out of whack. And so the university decided to move the Tiger mascot down into Mississippi. And so he, he normally hangs out in DeSoto County. But on game days, you might just see him outside the Liberty Bowl as he travels in a custom-designed climate-controlled trailer and always has a Sheriff Patrol escort when he shows up at the Liberty Bowl and helps roar his Memphis Tigers to victory. And I know the Kuntz family, I know one of the members of that down in DeSoto County, kind of take care of that. And, And Tyler one time invited me to come to see his Tom the mascot there at his house I have not yet taken him up on the offer to go see the real-life mascot of the Memphis Tigers there in DeSoto County, Mississippi. But there, if you go to a game, you have Tiger Lane outside of the Liberty Bowl. That's been a tradition for 
15, 20 years, and a lot of fans line up on Tiger Lane for Tiger Walk. That's when the team comes walking through on the way into the Liberty Bowl for a big game day, like for the time when they have Mississippi State coming in this year. And then you have the little costume mascot. I don't want to leave Pouncer out. Pouncer has been around Memphis since 1960 as a very, very visible part of the athletic program of the Memphis Tigers. So it's it's a fun experience there at the Liberty Bowl, a building built back in the 1960s. And the Tigers, I'm, I was thinking before the segment started, Memphis, fans of Memphis, fans of Memphis State, if you go way back, what was the biggest win that you've seen the Tigers have in football at Liberty Bowl Stadium? I'm going to say it was 1997 when Tennessee came in there for a nationally televised game and Memphis walked away with a win over Peyton Manning. That had to be the biggest game in my knowledge of kind of following Memphis Tiger football as a as a bystander. I know they they don't play Tennessee that much. They they have played historically a team in Oxford, Mississippi. And I do believe if you corner a Memphis Tiger fan and say, what college team do you absolutely hate more than any other team? I'm going to say it's the Rebel Land Sharks is who they hate more than about anybody. Because I think Tennessee, I think they have a little bit of a respect, maybe Memphis fans for Tennessee, since it's the flagship university of the state. And they don't play that often. But they used to play Ole Miss a lot. It was a season opener in a lot of cases. And there were some real doozies through the years. And I, I think Memphis fans probably get up more for that one. than And they've beaten the Sharks here in recent years, to their credit. They really derailed the Sharks, what, 2015 season when Hugh Freeze was there? Former Memphis high school coach at Briarcrest. And uh, he comes back to the Liberty Bowl with a very good team back in 2015. And they lose to Memphis. And they go on and play in the Sugar Bowl that year and win the Sugar Bowl against Oklahoma State. But... They went down in flames to the Memphis Tigers in that 2015 season. Memphis football, it's back. And Ryan Silverfield is leading this program. And just two years ago, remember, Memphis went all the way to the Cotton Bowl and played in a New Year's Six game. The Tiger fans have a lot to be excited about on the football side. Remember, Penny Hardaway is their basketball coach, and he's a great Memphis basketball player of 15, 20. 25 years ago before he went off to the NBA's Orlando Magic. And he's now the coach. And he actually just turned down the chance to go be an NBA coach to stay coaching the Memphis Tigers. I think he might have been offered the Orlando job. So he, he likes his hometown Memphis Tigers. And I bet you on most game days you'll see the Penny Hardaways of the world supporting their blue and gray when the Tigers get ready for football 2021. Let me tell you about a few famous Memphis University, University of Memphis, Memphis State University alums. First off, you've got a couple of big heavyweight politicians who are Memphis alums, starting with the Ford family, the Memphis family that has had Harold Ford Jr. and more. One member of that family, John Ford, is a Memphis State University alumnus. You also have Jackson's own Ed Jackson, state senator from Jackson, Tennessee, He's a Memphis alum. You also have, I don't want to leave this guy out, although he kind of falls in both the acting world and the politician world. How about Fred Dalton Thompson? Proud Memphis alum. 
the current mayor of Memphis, Jim Strickland, is a University of Memphis alum. And then when you get into the, uh, well, not acting world, but just the entertainment world, how about this list of University of Memphis alums? You got Fred Thompson, who I just mentioned, kind of crosses into politics too. Dixie Carter, Huntington, Tennessee, McLemoresville, Tennessee's on Dixie Carter, a Memphis State alum. Kelly Cash, Milan, Tennessee's on. 1987 Miss America and a cousin to Johnny Cash. She is a Memphis State University alumnus. Then you have Jason Isbell. I didn't know this. Singer-songwriter, member of Drive-By Truckers. He is a Memphis alum. A great of yesteryear, Dickie Lee, a Memphis alum, Memphis State University alumnus. They've had a lot of famous actors, singers, and more, and I'm pretty sure they're missing out on one. Maybe she's listed in a different. I'm pretty sure Sybil Shepherd went to Memphis, and she's not listed on this thing I'm looking at here, but pretty sure Sybil Shepherd is a Memphis alum. A lot of great athletes have come through Memphis's program, especially in basketball, but they've had some really good football players. D'Angelo Williams, who played for the Carolina Panthers, was one of the best running backs Memphis has ever, ever had. Andre Turner, NBA great. Derrick Rose, man, what a career he's had in the NBA. Former Memphis Tiger basketball player. Anthony Hardaway. Penny Hardaway. <laughs> now the coach of the Memphis Tigers. And again, back in a great player for them who went on to be a longtime head basketball coach, Larry Finch, Memphis Tiger, Memphis State Tiger. Isaac Bruce, don't want to leave him out here on the list of Memphis alums. Just a great, great lineup of alumni from the University of Memphis, the Tigers. Go look at this list when you get a chance. Memphis got a lot to be proud of from a school standpoint and a lot to be proud of from an athletic standpoint. And the Memphis Tigers getting ready for the 2021 season. And today we have taken time out on the Y'all Show to include the Memphis Tigers as part of our 44-city tour of colleges across the southeast. As we march our way, it might even be right there marching through Tiger Lane outside of the Liberty Bowl. But we're marching our way to the start of the 2021 college football season when teams like the Tigers suit up against the Nichols State Colonels in their very first game of the forthcoming season. Go Tigers, go! The Y'all Show comes right back. we got to look at more headlines. And before we get out of here, we're going to take a look at some of the festivals and fun going on across the Southeast this weekend. Stay tuned. shoes and I boarded the plane Touchdown in the land of the Delta Blues in the middle of a pouring rain W.C. Handy, won't you look down over me Cause I've got a first class ticket and I'm blue as a boy can be Walking in man 
We've got the Bluff City on our mind still. This is the Y'all Show, and we're kind of wrapping things up here in this final hour of the Thursday Y'all Show. Let's get back into some of the news stories of the Southland as we get ready to depart here in this third hour on our Thursday edition of Talk with a Southern Accent. Recapping some of the news of the day in South Florida. Authorities there are essentially giving up the rescue effort. Now it's a recovery effort there at Surfside, Florida, as the search for the survivors of the Champlain condo building looks like everybody's trapped under there is going to end up being found dead and i unfortunate story from the last couple of weeks that we're continuing to report on here on today's y'all show tropical storm elsa has hit the carolinas today one person reported dead in florida after the storm hit the sunshine state and about 10 people hurt at the navy base in kingland georgia the submarine base there on saint mary's the saint mary's river there on the Georgia-Florida line, and unfortunately some injuries there, but no deaths reported in Georgia with this tropical storm making its way across the Atlantic portion of the South right now. How about the story out of Louisiana? The Mall of Louisiana has finally captured an escaped Burmese python at the mall. The Mall of Louisiana. Oh, I'm glad I wasn't there shopping. How would you like to be shopping there? Maybe heading on down to the Chick-fil-A or some other place there, probably in a mostly empty mall, as most malls now are pretty vacated. But there in the Baton Rouge area, the Mall of Louisiana had a snake get out of its cage, and it was missing there for a while. Thank goodness this thing got caught. And now the python has been transported to the LSU School of Veterinary Medicine for a health check. But yeah, not not exactly what you want to find when you go shopping at your local shopping mall. A big old python somewhere hanging out in the mall. And I've seen the video of this thing. It looked pretty big. Several, several feet long. An escaped Burmese python inside a shopping mall in Baton Rouge. Also, we'll tell you about a sign that things are definitely getting better across the land. The Great American Dollhouse Museum in Danville, Kentucky, has reopened after 15 months of being shut down in Boyle County, Kentucky. The owner decided to close for over a year. And now, if you've got a little lady that wants to go see some beautiful dolls, you can go to Danville and check out the Great American Dollhouse Museum now open this museum first opened its doors back in 2008 and it looks like a really cool tourism spot and it's open again for all the youngsters they usually get about 5,000 visitors a year to see the exhibits at this doll museum not quite like the cabbage patch place there in cleveland georgia but still a great opportunity if you've got a young lady that wants to see how dolls could be on display and maybe buy a doll while you're there. The Great American Dollhouse Museum, Danville, Kentucky, is now open for tourists. Get there and get there soon. And lastly, a crazy story coming out of Wichita Falls, Texas. So somehow, some way, they have an animal control officer on duty there. And the ladies must think he's pretty cute. And somehow, some way, 
This Wichita Falls, Texas animal services officer has become a social media frenzy in the last few days as Zachary Majewski posed with a Siberian Husky to encourage people to adopt from the Wichita City, the Wichita Falls City Shelter. In this photo of this rather attractive guy and and a much more attractive dog ended up being shared and shared and i guess a lot of ladies out there just thought they were both so so darn cute and he ended up getting a lot of likes coming to him on facebook probably a few proposals i don't know if it was a romance proposal or somebody just want might want to take that pretty dog off his hand but this week majewski went on the ellen show where he admitted he was not expecting most of the comments about him so this makes you appreciate our animal control officers even more, especially when they have to handle not just beautiful canines and I guess a few cats at times, even Burmese pythons perhaps, but I guess they can be rather attractive and that also catches the eye of the public and definitely the crazed world of social media. Oh, Zachary, I think you'll be able to handle your newfound fame and maybe you'll just if you don't have a a loved one, thanks to this photo of you and that beautiful husky that you pose with. By the way, the husky was in need of adoption. That's why Zachary posed with it, and I think it ended up being adopted. This beautiful female husky named Sky. So yeah, we appreciate all of our animal services officers, and this one coming to us courtesy of Wichita Falls in Texas. <laughs> All right, we'll wrap up this Y'all Show. We'll take a quick look at some festivals and events going on across the Southeast this weekend. It's talk all about the South. It is the Y'all Show, and you don't want to miss it. Closing out this Thursday Y'all Show, let's take a quick gander at some exciting options for the weekend. If you're needing to get in the car and head off to a fun place across the southeast, let me tell you about some festivals going on in Dixie this weekend. Starting in Dallas, Georgia, that's northwest of Atlanta this weekend, it's the Raccoon Creek Bluegrass Festival, and that's at the Raccoon Creek Music Park. That takes place Friday through Sunday, Dallas, Georgia, the Raccoon Creek Bluegrass Festival. All right. Bluegrass in Georgia. Home of Louisiana this weekend is Craft and Cajun's Craft Show. I like that. That's a good name there. That's in Homa. That's at the Homa Terrebonne Civic Center on Civic, Civic Center Boulevard in Homa this weekend. Get your craft show, all you crafty Cajuns. 
and that's this weekend. Harrisonville, Maryland this weekend. Rather, I'm sorry, Harrisonville, Missouri. It's the Sunflower Fest 2021 on Jefferson Parkway and Harrisonville, Mo. Check it out, and you'll have Mo sunflowers than y'all's ever seen. If you don't, just show me there in Harrisonville, Missouri for Sunflower Festival. I guess there's a lot of sunflowers in bloom right now, and you can take advantage of it there in that portion of the Show Me State. This weekend in Greensboro, it's the Carolina Barbecue Music Festival. That's taking place at the Silo Entertainment Event Center on Elm Street in Greensboro, North Carolina. A mixture of barbecue and music. Sign me up. Across the state line in South Carolina this weekend, it's the Festival of Discovery taking place in Greenwood, SC. That starts today. It lasts through Saturday at the Uptown Greenwood on Main Street. Festival of Discovery. This is a fun event that goes on annually and in Greenwood. It is on this very weekend. Let me tell you about a great music event taking place in Jack Daniels country. This weekend in the Lynchburg area of Tennessee, technically Mulberry, Tennessee, is where this event is taking place. It's the Lynchburg Music Fest, and it starts today. It lasts through Saturday. Cody Jinks is there. The singer Hardy is there. Jamison Rogers, Walker Hayes. You also have Lucas Hoge, Cody Purvis, a lot of other singer-songwriters all at the Lynchburg Music Fest in Mulberry, Tennessee. That is around Moore County in Middle Tennessee, sort of the southern end of Middle Tennessee, Lynchburg, home of Jack Daniels. It's the Lynchburg Music Fest 2021, and that is going on this weekend. And lastly, let me tell you about in Weatherford, Texas, this weekend, it is the Peach Festival in historic downtown Weatherford, Texas. On Church Street It's where you'll find the centerpiece of this year's Peach Festival in Weatherford. Get there, have a great time, enjoy the South in July and all the fun and festivals and so much more. We'll tell you about more of these festivals on our Friday Y'all Show. And we'll see you right back here Friday. Our college sports spotlight will be going on a tour of Louisiana Lafayette. That is our featured school of note on the Friday Y'all Show Plus. Craig Faulkner dropping by with some tips on boating safety. That is planned for the Friday Y'all Show. Have a great rest of your day, and thank you for tuning in the Y'all Show. I'm John Rawl. We'll see you back here on Friday. And we're back on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent, getting you ready for another exciting day of everything Southern. I'm John Rawl. I'm in the host chair. I'm here for the next three hours of talking about everything Southern. We're tickled that you have taken the time to join us here on the program. And if you want to be involved, we welcome that. Our website is yall.com that's y'all.com it is the south's homepage. more and more fun stuff being put there every day we'll give a give an opportunity for you to learn a little bit more about what's going on at y'all.com as we progress on this thursday y'all show and on this thursday y'all show it's going to be a busy one 
It's going to be a fun one, y'all, and we want you to be a part of it. 803-816-1170 is the way you can get in touch with us here at the Y'all Show if you've got something you need to get off your chest, whether it's something informative and or entertaining and or criticism. We'll take that, too. It's 803-816-1170. Just text us any old time, and we're, we'd be happy to share what you got going on here on your show, The South Show, The Y'all Show. On this Y'all Show Thursday edition, we've got a look at what's going on across the Southeast as part of our headlines of the region. Plus, we have sports information we'll be sharing with you, and we have an SEC report coming in this hour. It's not a very lengthy report from the Southeastern Conference on this Thursday because we are going to continue on with our college football spotlight, getting you ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. And we launched a 44-city tour on Wednesday. We started out in Birmingham with the UAB Blazers on Wednesday's Y'all Show. Today, we're going to go to Memphis and salute the Memphis Tigers of AAC. Now, we were supposed to get this tour started a day earlier than Wednesday, a.k.a. Tuesday. We had a little problem. We weren't able to squeeze in a school that we were supposed to also spotlight this week. So, We're going to give you something extra special, a little extra gravy for your taters here on today's Y'all Show. We're going to also, in addition to spotlighting the Memphis Tigers and what Coach Ryan Silverfield's got going on, by the way, we'll hear from the coach of the Tigers when we spotlight them, not only this hour with information about the team, the 2021 schedules for the, the boys in blue and gray, but we'll also have another school spotlighted on today's y'all show hour two we're going to kind of mix this in to the mix too we're going to give you all the scoop on the bearcats of sam houston state university huntsville texas now why are we going to be talking about sam houston state because they're the national champions of college football right now they are a champion i think it's for the first time in school history where they actually won the fcs national championship they did that back in, I think it was late April, early May, in Frisco. They won the national championship over North uh, South Dakota State this year, actually. It was the Jackrabbits and the Bearcats, B-E-A-R-K-A-T-S, in that national championship game. So we're going to tell you a little bit about the Sam Houston State Bearcats that walk through some of their 2021 schedule. I'll also let you know about some of the most famous alums of SHSU, and that includes Dan Rather. And others, well, we'll do a brief spotlight of Sam Houston State Hour 2. And then in Hour 3, we're going to go back to Beale Street. And I'm going to continue to tell you more about the Memphis Tigers and the great traditions and the famous alums of Memphis and or Memphis State University. Go Tigers, go. It is a Memphis Tiger and a little bit of Sam Houston State Bearcat spotlight on this Thursday. Y'all show a lot of felines in the spotlight on this Thursday. Y'all show. So that is what's coming up here sports wise on today's y'all show we'll also throw in some other sports news including we got a defending stanley cup champion back to back the tampa bay lightning win the stanley cup in hockey so hockey in dixie it's a pretty good mix evidently for the tampa bay lightning and i'll tell you about how they won on wednesday and i'll also also let you know the latest on the nba finals as it continues on on this thursday Plus, we'll let you know about the passing of a great in Rice Owls history as part of our sports coverage of today's Y'all Show. We also have coming in Hour 2, 
a look at entertainment news going on, including some country music information we'll be sharing with you. And we'll also have a Southern accent coming from Kobe Bennett on Southern business in hour number two. Hour three today, we will continue, as we said, talking about the Memphis Tigers, but we'll also let you know about some of the exciting festivals and events going on across the region this very weekend. And that's all right here on this Thursday Y'all Show with John Rawl. Thank you so much for being a part. Let's get into the headlines of today. And sadly, it is not the best of news to report coming from the Champlain Towers collapse in South Florida, as evidently they're going to stop the search for, for survivors there. And it's been a very unfortunate last couple of hours there as prayer and more come to mark the end of the search for survivors at this condo collapse. And unfortunately, some of the authorities there telling the rescuers to to go on home. There's nothing more they can do. And clergy members on hand there in Surfside, Florida, the mayor of Miami-Dade, Daniela Cava, said at a news conference, we've all asked God for a miracle. So the decision to transition, transition from rescue to recovery is an extremely difficult one. The death toll stood as of last evening at 54, but it looks like we're going to have another hundred or so souls added to the list of, of dead. And unless a miracle can come, we're likely going to see almost everybody out of this thing declared dead at some point. We just hope their bodies can be found in this just terrible tragedy. The Champlain Tower South condo building collapsed from two weeks ago and now the authorities there officially ending the recovery or the rescue effort now going more into a recovery effort. They, of course, on I think it was Monday night, collapsed the remnants of that building to try to aid in the search. But it is a very, very difficult story coming out of Florida. A little bit positive story coming out of Florida was the tropical storm from this week. Now reports coming out that at least one person was killed when Tropical Storm Elsa went through on Wednesday. It also is attributed to killing, uh, not killing, but injuring several people at a Navy base in southeast Georgia. The National Hurricane Center said Elsa's winds now currently right around 40 miles an hour as it's making its way through the Carolinas early today. And it is going to ultimately go back out to sea. But unfortunately, at least one person reported dead after this thing went through North Florida into Southeast Georgia. And I don't know the exact community of where the person was killed, but I know in Southeast Georgia, I guess it's Kingland, Georgia, is where they have a Navy base, and several sailors or people that work at the Navy base injured when this tropical storm went through on Wednesday in that area. But overall, especially the Gulf Coast side of Florida, they dodged a bullet for the most part with this tropical storm slash hurricane that we have seen this week. So thank you, goodness, Florida didn't need another tragedy. We we definitely don't need any tragedies from natural disasters like hurricanes and tornadoes, but unfortunately that's reality here in the world we live in. A driver in Tennessee has now been charged with the attempted murder of a Memphis police officer. The police officer was on a sidewalk in Memphis over the weekend and Orlando Davey evidently tried to run him over with his car, and Mr. Davies being held on a $2.5 million bond. 
Following an arraignment hearing on Wednesday, the 24-year-old Hernando, Mississippi man, Mr. Davey, being held on this bond for the incident that happened on Monday night in Memphis. Court documents show that the officers with the Memphis Police Department attempted to conduct a traffic stop around 7.15 Monday at the intersection of Front Street and G.E. Patterson Drive. That's in downtown Memphis, by the way. And this man started speeding and swerving and endangered the lives of pedestrians, but the man from Hernando refused to stop, according to an affidavit, and he instead drove into oncoming traffic, striking a Dodge Ram pickup, and then he fled the scene of the crash at a high rate of speed, but officers called off their pursuit due to safety concerns And now Davis is charged with evading arrest involving an attempt to run down a police officer. He's going to be in jail for quite a time there in the Bluff City, again charged with the attempted murder of a police officer by trying to plow him down with his vehicle. I know a few years ago there was also in that same area of downtown Memphis some moron, as I like to call him, I think killed somebody. I think killed a cop. In downtown Memphis, it was 2016, and they came plowing through downtown Memphis on a Saturday night with a lot of people out on the streets, and I think the Memphis police officer was directing traffic. I think I'm right on that. And this uh, moron, as I call him, ended up, I think, severely injuring or killing the police officer, but he also shot two innocent people. I think it was the same guy. Unfortunately, Memphis, a big city, so many of our big cities have so much of this absolute nonsense going on all the time that it's honestly and sadly rather confusing and 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 rather sad that yours truly and all of you listening are tired and and get confused by these similar stories happening all the time and the senseless loss of life and speaking of a senseless loss of life the college quarterback at kennesaw state in georgia has been killed in a 50 bullet barrage in the Tallahassee area of Florida. Ladarius Clardy was an 18-year-old who played for the Kennesaw State Owls, and he was going to return for what was going to be his sophomore season. I think this week he was supposed to be returning back to the Atlanta area, but he was gunned down Thursday, not in Tallahassee, I apologize. He was shot in Pensacola. According to the Escambia County Sheriff Chip Simmons, Someone fired over 50 rounds into the car, most of them into the car, the driver's door, and this 18-year-old Ladarius Clardy killed in Pensacola this week, and now this six-foot, 170-pound quarterback for the Kennesaw State Owls, his life comes to an end for absolutely, I'm sure, no no good reason. Another man, a 19-year-old, is in critical condition after being struck multiple times throughout his body. The gunfire, according to some bystanders, happened out of nowhere. Hmm. $10,000 reward being offered for info. Call the Escambia County, Florida Sheriff's Office to report any kind of news about this senseless killing of Ladarius Clardy, a Kennesaw State Owl backup quarterback. Over 20 flags at a cemetery in South Carolina have been burned, and now a congressperson from that state is vowing to replace them. Somebody needs to find who did this and give them a very un-American treatment. 
20 flags taken from the Anderson, South Carolina Cemetery just before the 4th of July. This unknown suspect or suspects collecting 21 flags off of the graves and then piled them on cemetery grounds and burned them on July 3rd in the evening hours, leaving behind the scorched remains of these flags at the Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Anderson, South Carolina. Just a low down. I mean, I'm seeing the photo of the, how these flags were put down on the ground and burnt, and it was obviously deliberate, and it was almost in an organized fashion. This vandal and or vandals went into the cemetery in the upstate of South Carolina and did such a absolutely horrible thing. Very unpatriotic. Plus, they also pulled out their paint can and sprayed on some of the grounds of the Forest Lawn Memorial Park. One of this graffiti messages put up was, quote, separating church and state. I guess they're mad about flags and cemeteries of our American heroes, many of whom may have actually been killed in the line of duty and are buried and are there in eternal rest in Anderson, South Carolina. Sad, sad, sad world we live in at times, is it not? Also, in addition to people trying to burn American flags, literally in Tuskegee, Alabama, a former mayor there is taking matters into his own hands. He should be arrested, by the way. But this former mayor of Tuskegee, Johnny Ford, decided over the holiday weekend to pull out his electric saw and try to topple the Macon County, Alabama Confederate monument there on public grounds in Tuskegee, Alabama. And he has taken matters into his own name. So he comes out, he cuts off, I think, part of the leg of this Confederate monument that's been there for more than 100 years, I think. And I don't know if he's gotten in trouble for this thing. Mr. Ford said he sawed off one of the soldier's legs when he was interrupted by the sheriff, Andre Brunson, who told him he would look into the matter to see what is appropriate in the way of handling the statue removal. Now, the deputy there, the sheriff's deputy, or the sheriff, told a local TV station that charges would be filed against Ford and another person who helped out the councilman. The councilman is the former mayor. He's now a councilman there. Now, residents there in Tuskegee have asked for this Confederate statue removal in Tuskegee, but this is an example, and we've seen this happen in so many cities now, it's frankly hard to keep track of this as well, that some of these places say, we want to remove these statues and put them in a better place. No, some of these people out here want to destroy these statues. It's happened in Durham, North Carolina, and it's happening here in Tuskegee, Alabama. They want these things completely erased. And a former mayor, in this case, leading the charge in this East Alabama city this week. That's what's going on news-wise. We have more news headlines from across the South that we're going to be getting to on today's Y'all Show. So don't miss that on the fun again. You also can find us, our number to text or call, 803-816-1170. That's a number you can call or text 24-7 with your 
knowledge of what's going on across the southeast we certainly welcome any and all feedback we want to hear from y'all here on the y'all show we're going to take a break we're going to come back with a whole bunch of sports information to get this first hour in the books still got two more hours by the way coming up when this one is in the books but coming up we have a quick look at what's going on in sports news nba nhl news plus we have a sec report coming up Later in the hour and before the hour is up, a spotlight on the Memphis Tigers football program. All that on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. in a few weeks the olympics going on well i can tell you right now you don't have to wait for a few weeks to get the good old red white and blue flowing through your veins because i can say right now on the y'all show usa 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 and that's because the tampa bay lightning knocked out the montreal canadians the habs go back to canada losers of the stanley cup and Tampa Bay is your back-to-back NHL Stanley Cup champion. Congratulations on the Lightning. Who knew Tampa Bay would be the hockey capital of the world? What is this all about? Congratulations. The captain, Steven Stamkos, saying this group, no matter what happens from here on out, this group is going to be etched in history forever, and that's pretty effing special. <laughs> Clean it up there, Stephen. This is a family show. Congratulations as they won in Game 5. Remember, I think it was one of the local officials in the Tampa-St. Pete area that came out this week and said, hey, Lightning, it's okay if you don't win in a sweep over the Canadians. You can go up to Montreal and lose the game. We want you to win this Stanley Cup back here in front of the home folks. Probably in front of a full crowd as compared to Montreal but a great, great win. Tampa Bay defeating Montreal 1-0 to close out the series. 4-1 to on Wednesday at home, becoming the first NHL team to repeat as Stanley Cup champion since the 2016-2017 Pittsburgh Penguins. Congratulations to the Lightning. Winners again. And if you want to see a good NHL team in action, you can find yourself... Right there, sitting alongside Tom Brady and maybe checking out a Tampa Bay Lightning hockey game pretty soon. But you'll have to wait a few months. Congratulations again to the Lightning. Your Stanley Cup champs. Now, 
we're about to crown an NBA champion, and they're going to pick up the NBA Finals on this Thursday evening. It's the Bucks and the Phoenix Suns from the Valley in Arizona. Game two will tip off at 9 Eastern, 8 Central on ABC Phoenix right now with a 1-0 series lead. Now, after this game two today, there will not be games played on Friday and Saturday. The game three of this series is going to take place on Sunday evening on ABC. But the Phoenix Suns could be traveling to Milwaukee with a 2-0 series lead if they can pull out another victory in game two of the NBA Finals. Now to some golf news, a a one-time and almost two-time green jacket holder, Angel Cabrera, the Argentine golfer, he's been sentenced to two years in prison for assaulting a former partner. And in addition to winning the Masters, Cabrera is an U.S. Open champion, a two-time major winner on the PGA Tour, and now he's going to be locked up in an Argentine jail as a court in the province of Cordoba in Argentina convicted the 51-year-old golfer of assaulting, threatening, and harassing a woman who had been his partner for about three years. And now the golfer who's denied in the trial any wrongdoing will have to go serve his sentence immediately. This is not a U.S. court that the Argentine native is having to go hang out in jail for a while. This is an Argentine court. And I bet you they follow the laws a lot closer down there and they probably have to serve out the full term. But a guy who has come close to winning two green jackets and he did win the U.S. Open back in 2007, winning over Tiger Woods and Jim Furyk, won by one shot. Then he followed that up with a win in 2009 in a playoff at the Masters, and he nearly won in 2013. He lost in a playoff to Adam Scott at Augusta National. A very good golfer, one of the best South American golfers we've ever seen. And unfortunately, now sentenced to two years in prison, Angel Cabrera. To some college football news, the Oklahoma Sooners running back Mikey Henderson is off the team as he's been arrested and a warrant is being sought in connection with a alleged robbery. Mikey Henderson off the Oklahoma Sooner football team. Henderson was identified as the third member of an alleged robbery on April 15th, along with a couple of other former Oklahoma players, Seth McGowan and Trahan Bridges. And he's off the team. A very disturbing story from several months ago. We covered it here on the Y'all Show. But now this six foot two, 238-pound freshman from St. Louis, he played in eight games in 2020 as an H-back for Oklahoma. He caught 12 passes for 168 yards and had nine carries for 81 yards and a touchdown. Mikey Henderson, no longer an Oklahoma Sooner. And some college football news from yesteryear. Dickie Magel, who was a running back for the Rice Owls in a very famous 1954 Cotton Bowl game against Alabama, He's the Rice Owl running back out of the Southwest Conference that was going down the sideline at the old Cotton Bowl in Dallas when an Alabama Crimson Tide player came off the bench and essentially <laughs> smacked him right in the face. And he was awarded the touchdown. In fact, it was, like, I think, like a 95-yard touchdown given to him. Rice went on to win that New Year's 1954 
game against Alabama, 28-6. to And it was, I think, was and still is the longest run in Cotton Bowl history. He also had in that game touchdown runs of 79 and 34 yards, 265 yards rushing in that 1954 Cotton Bowl win over Alabama. I'm sure y'all remember that. He actually went on to play in the NFL for the San Francisco 49ers. He was the 10th overall pick by the Niners in the 1955 draft. He also played for a while with the Steelers and the Dallas Cowboys right when they first got going. And Dickie Magel has died at the age of 86. Another great moment of that win, a great moment looking back, that the Alabama player who came off the bench to tackle him Together, both of those guys went on the Ed Sullivan show to talk about that play, which got to be like the most famous college play in that 1954 year. And Tommy Lewis was the Alabama player that came and threw a blindside block, knocking Magel to the ground. And he was awarded a 95-yard touchdown run, regardless of him being knocked down by the Bama player. But when talking about the play, Mr. Lewis explained that he was just too full of Alabama to watch Mangle run for that long touchdown. Hmm. Two, and that's become a kind of rally cry for a lot of Alabama fans. In fact, Mr. Poison the Trees and Tumor's Corner had a similar excuse back in 2011 when he went and did that and destroyed Tumor's Corner. Too full of Alabama. There's a lot of people too full of Alabama. But when you're national champions, I guess you can't really feel too sorry for them, can you? (laughs) That is a quick look at some sports news here on this first hour edition of the Thursday Y'all Show. We're not done talking sports. We've still got lots of more sports talk coming your way here in this first hour. When we come back, we've got a very brief SEC report coming up. Some news out of the SEC football ranks and more. Plus, before the hour is up, we're going to turn our attention to Highland in Memphis, Tennessee. And there you'll find the University of Memphis and the Tiger football team is being spotlighted on our 44 city tour. And the Tigers are up this hour. We'll tell you all about Ryan Silverfield's team when we come back on the Y'all Show. Giga Maggies, welcome back. It's y'all a very brief SEC report here on this Thursday y'all show with the general of all things Southern John Rawl and news out of Aggieland, former A&M coach R.C. Slocum stepping down from the college football playoff committee for health reasons. And as a result of that, former committee member Tyrone Willingham, y'all remember him, former coach of the Stanford Cardinal, Willingham will complete the final term of R.C. Slocum's term on the college football playoff committee we wish coach slocum all the best guy who was coaching them back in the 
good old days of, I think he was there in the last years of the Southwest Conference before they moved over to the Big 12. And now, again, health problems forcing him out of the college football playoff committee. Now to KnoxNews.com, and they have a story up about ranking the SEC football kickers for this year. Is Cade York, Anders Carlson, or Will Reichard the best kicker in the Southeastern Conference heading into the 2021 season? I know y'all been worried about your kickers out there, and I'm here to kick it into high gear and tell you about some of the great kickers to be on the lookout for. First off, how about Cade York? Remember him? He was the star, if you will, in addition to a shoe, in LSU's big win over the Florida Gators in the Swamp last year. (laughs) And his 57-yard field goal with 23 seconds left on the clock helped Coach O and the Tigers to a 37-34 victory at Florida Field. That was one of the best moments in all of the 2020 college football season, and that came to you courtesy of LSU's heroic kicker, Cade York. Woo, what a great game. I, I think I saw that being replayed the other day, the, the shoe game. That thing probably cost Florida a chance. Not not that they would have won it, but a chance to play for the national championship. Sorry, Gator fans. Sorry to make you have to relive that one. Also, another great kicker heading into this forthcoming season is Anders Carlson. Anders is a senior for the Auburn Tigers. And last year, his field goal attempts... I think he was right at 90%. His 20 made field goals led the SEC as he made 20 out of 22. I guess that gives you about a 90% success rate. Anders Carlson, very good kicker for Auburn. Now their Iron Bowl rival, the Alabama Crimson Tide, has a pretty good kicker. Will Reichert. Will Reichert is very reliable. He made 14 of 14 field goal attempts during the national championship run for the Crimson Tide and his longest 52 yards last year. Watch out for this guy. Georgia's got a pretty good guy with a pretty strong leg. Jack Podlesny, a great kicker, follows, of course, Mr. Bespectacled one, Rodrigo Blankenship. And Rodrigo made it to the NFL this past year. And Podlesny comes into Athens and had a pretty good season there he was a walk-on that went 13 of 16 on field goal tries for kirby smart's georgia bulldogs and in that peach bowl victory over cincinnati jack the kicker not jack the ripper jack the kicker had that 53 yarder there at mercedes-benz stadium in atlanta and gave the bulldogs a big win now the florida gators have a senior returning and he's a transfer Coming in from Stark Vegas, Jace Chrisman. He was the Bulldogs' all-time leading scorer at 219 points. And now, as a senior, he abandoned Stark Vegas and now goes back to join, I guess he was on the roster at Mississippi State when Dan Mullen was there at one time. And Chrisman is going to be a Florida Gator kicker for his final season of college football. Chrisman at Mississippi State owned the Bulldogs record for consecutive PATs with 95, and he's tied for the top field goal percentage at 80%. And those are just some of the great kickers. Kickers often not getting the kind of attention they deserve, but here on the Y'all Show, we love our kickers. And a lot of times these guys come through in clutch moments to give their respective teams 
a big, big win. See LSU winning over Florida 2020, if you don't believe me. (laughs) When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to switch over and talk about the Tigers, but it won't be the LSU Tigers or the Auburn Tigers or the Missouri Tigers of the SEC. It's the Memphis Tigers. And Ryan Silverfield is the coach of the Blue and Gray, and they are our Southern College Football Showcase for this Thursday as we're on a 44-city tour across the southeast. And we'll let you know about Go Tigers Go! What's going on in Memphis with the Tigers? That showcase is up next right here on Talk with a Southern Accent. Tiger fans, for a long time, a lot of people around the country had no idea the Memphis Tigers had a football team. And now, thanks to the last couple of years, the Memphis Tigers have gone to a New Year's Six Bowl. They have won the AAC. They won a bowl game in a crazy 2020 season. And people are really interested in the Memphis Tigers in West Tennessee and throughout the Mid-South. And who can blame them? Welcome back. This is the Y'all Show I'm John Rawl, and we are on a tour of some of the great Southern College programs across the South in what we call a 44-city tour, getting you ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. I know you're excited. That's why we're going to take this opportunity over the next few weeks to give you all the good stuff on our various college football teams. We're on a 44-city tour. And we need an intro to get you ready for this 44-city tour. The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College Football Tour stop. Here's Johnny. Uh, I like that intro. I really do. And I like to talk about great football teams like the Memphis Tigers. And that's what we're, again, doing right here on this Thursday, y'all show. Ryan Silverfield is the coach of the Tigers. In his first full season as the Tigers skipper in 2020, the Tigers went 8-3 and three and went to the Montgomery Bowl where they won in that game over the Florida Atlantic Owls 25-10. to So they advance into this season with a lot of expectations. The boys in blue and gray. The Memphis Tigers begin their season at home on the 4th of September, that's the Labor Day weekend Saturday, the Colonels out of Nichols State, the fighting Colonels out of Thibodeau, come on up to the Bluff City, and the Liberty Bowl Memorial Stadium is the host site for this matchup. The Tigers have an old foe they play 
at their place. Arkansas State, it's a road game on September 11th this year. Then they have Mississippi State coming in to the Bluff City for a big game. A lot of fans will be there for that one when the Tigers and the Bulldogs get together. Then they kick off their conference action, American Conference action, on the road at Temple October 2nd, at Tulsa October 9th. Then Navy, a recent AAC champion, the midshipmen come into Memphis for a game on a Thursday night. That'll be an ESPN broadcast. So the Memphis Tigers got a lot to play for, and Ryan Silverfield, the coach of the Tiger football team. Now, Memphis in their history have been in various conferences. They've been in this American conference for about six years now. They have won eight conference titles. They actually have already won two AAC titles in the history of this program. And so now Memphis, with a chance this year with Silverfield to kind of keep the bar going and keep the tradition of Memphis football going. They won back in 2014 the AAC when Justin Fuente was coaching the Tigers. That was a co-championship, technically. And then he immediately took off for Blacksburg and the Virginia Tech Hokies. Then Mike Norvell, back in 2019, had an amazing year when Memphis went 12-1 and and ended up being 7-1 and in conference play. 12 and 1 overall. And then they lost the Cotton Bowl. I think it was to Penn State that year. But a great season. Norvell ends up getting the job at Florida State. And that's when Ryan Silverfield comes in and takes over for the Memphis Tiger. Memphis's coach is a Hampton Sydney alum. He is 40 years old. He'll be turning 41 in less than a month. And he's been on the Memphis staff for a number of years now. He was with Norvell as first an offensive line coach and then ended up being promoted to 2019 as an assistant head coach. And then when Norvell left, he got the head coaching job. And so far, he's 8-4 and four as the coach of the Blue and Gray. And the coach there of the Tigers, excited about the opportunity that Memphis has coming this year. Now, we're going to hear from him as he talks in this clip about his quarterback situation for the Memphis Tigers. And Kalen Brown is a returning quarterback. He was technically a redshirt freshman, I think, or he barely got any play in 2020, but he did get on the field a little bit, which is more than you can say about some of the other quarterbacks on the Tigers roster. Right now, if you look at what they have, they have four quarterbacks on their depth chart. Peter Parrish, who Coach Silverfield actually mentions a little bit about this sophomore out of Phoenix City, Alabama, in this clip. Also, Grant Gunnell, a sophomore out of Woodlands, Texas, in addition to Keelan Brown, a freshman from Zachary, Louisiana. And then the other quarterback is a freshman from Denton, Texas, Seth Hennigan. And the coach of the Tigers now talks about his quarterbacks and more about his 2021 football team as he recently spoke to the media. Here is the coach of the Memphis Tigers, Ryan Silverfield. You know, I think having, you know, Keelan is one of the few that actually, and there was a limited number, he actually took snaps as a Memphis football player in a Memphis football jersey that was allowed to last year. And I think that does make a difference, right? He had a full, you know, season, in essence, almost, of learning this offense, getting the reps, live reps. You know, Peter was on our roster last year, but because he was ineligible, he got a lot of the scout team reps and those things. So you can say, well, he still had the opportunity to learn the offense. Well, it's a completely different deal when you're on a different field. Um, so Keelan, who's been part of it, yes, you could see the confidence. You're exactly right. I mean, I think it was pretty evident by everybody. And how do I compare that? Look, I'm just literally, I'm taking them all. They all have a blank slate and we're just seeing where they are, you know, shaking up the dice and see where they are. And so I don't say, well, he should. I mean, they're all at the same level. You know, um, 
Uh, and I certainly won't compare them to, the, you know, Brady White. You know, someone asked me that the other day. Well, how do they compare to Brady White? You can't right now. That's not fair. And that's shame on me if I do that. Uh, but I, like I said, they all bring different attributes. They all have different uh, things that they're good at and then things that they need to continue to work out like every quarterback. Um, but I, like I said, we got four capable ones. and It's, it's fun to watch that battle continue. Yeah, every year there's going to be angst and, and, and stress and uh, the unknowns, right? That's that's part of this profession uh, and part of dealing with 18 to 22-year-olds. There's always the unknowns. What are you getting uh, day in and day out, right? I mean, we've seen like that. The, the roster can change, um, and that's the nature of this whole thing. But I've got confidence in the way we do things as a program. Uh, you know, I've got a wonderful coaching staff and support staff, um, and I trust the process that we're going through. So, again, kind of I mentioned not too high, not too low. It's just, hey – Whatever happens is we're, we're going to control what we can control um, and continue to pour into our guys. And I think we'll like that result. And so if there's always that uncomfortable feeling because until that ball gets going, look, I'm, I'm as nervous about Nickel State as I will be whatever game we play. And that's because that's the next one for us. Um, but, you know, I hate to say this, and my players probably don't hear this. I'm, I'm ready for August 1st to get here. Let's go and get training camp going, maybe catch our breath and get going. Uh, be back to a little bit of normal recruiting maybe this summer as well, but it'll be good that way. Ryan Silverfield, the coach of the Memphis Tigers. Again, they're looking to start their camp August 1st. Now, one of the things before the pandemic the Tigers did is they went over to Jackson and participated in a couple of days of practice at the former Lambeth College there, Lambeth University in Jackson, Tennessee. I don't know if they're going to be able to do that yet. If somebody knows the answer, whether the Tigers will be in Madison County this year for a training camp, if you will, Texas here at 803-816-1170 because I thought that was really cool that a program the size of Memphis kind of steals a chapter out of the NFL ranks and goes on a little road trip during the middle of their camp getting ready for the season and kind of like Bear Bryant did with the Junction boys. Mm, I don't know if Jackson, Tennessee is quite like Junction, Texas, but (laughs) Memphis football, again, Nickel State is the opener for the Tigers here in 2021 we're not done talking about the memphis tigers in hour three i'm going to let you know more about memphis as a university including their campus there the former lambeth campus is now the university of memphis lambeth and jackson tn but i'll tell you more about the campus and how they have more than twenty thousand students that are part of the tiger tradition we'll let you know about game day at memphis and also some of the other great traditions of the memphis tigers plus a list of some of the great alums of the University of Memphis, or maybe when they went there was Memphis State University. Oh, the good old days of the Metro Conference. (laughs) We'll have all that coming up in Hour 3 more on the Memphis Tigers. We've got another hour of y'all talk with a Southern accent coming your way. Don't miss out on the fun. It's talk with a Southern accent, and go Tigers go! Back in to talk with a Southern accent with the general of all things Southern, John Rawl, CSA certified Southern American. Good to have you back here for another hour of continuous talk about Dixie. And we've got headlines that we'll be sharing with you. An update from Surfside, Florida. It's a very unfortunate update coming out of South Florida. I'll share that with you in a second. Also, news out of Tokyo. You're going to have to cancel your plans if you were planning on going to Tokyo and watch the Olympics as a spectator. I'll let you know about that in a moment. Plus, 
Also coming up in the second hour of today's Y'all Show, we will be having more sports fun on the Y'all Show. We'll also be letting you know about the entertainment headlines of the day and all that's coming up in this second hour. We've got news coming out of country music we'll share with you. And then, as I said, some sports news. We're going to let you know all about the Sam Houston State Bearcats. Now, in hour one and coming up in hour three, we're still talking about the Memphis Tigers. They're one of our 44 cities that we're spotlighting this, kind of getting you ready for the 2021 start of college football edition of the Y'all Show here in this July month. But because we had a little problem on Tuesday, we did not offer a show. And I'm apologizing for that right now. We got to do a little catch up. So today I'm actually going to squeeze in here in the second hour what should have been a full day's worth of spotlight. I'm going to, unfortunately for Sam Houston State fans out there, I'm going to have to squeeze you into just one segment. But we'll be letting you know all about the Bearcats of the FCS. They are the defending FCS national champions. And I'll let you know more about this program out of Huntsville, Texas, and tell you about some of the great alums and traditions of sam houston state how about them bearcats yeah we'll let you know about that here in this second hour of today's y'all show then we'll get back in hour three to tell you more about the memphis tigers okay but we're going to do a little catch up here with bearcats in this second hour plus we'll be having an accent on southern business coming your way in this hour of today's y'all show our website is y'all.com did you realize it's the south's homepage? if you didn't well let me tell you let me tell you, sister and brother, it's y'all.com, the South's homepage. Just put up a story on Wednesday night. A lot of you might find very interesting, especially if you own a home. So go check out that article, Hot Off the Press, How to Keep Your Southern Home Fresh and Ready for Company. Oh, is somebody coming to pay you a visit? Well, Ainsley Lawrence has that article up, and it's free of charge. Go read how to... Get your house ready for company when company's coming over, and that'll help you. Plus, we got Tricks of the Trade with John Allen, Jimmy Duke. That's posted there at y'all.com and so many other great articles. And, of course, we put the Y'all Show there each and every day. And many of those interviews, you can sit there in the comfort of your car or office or home or bedroom or out on the tractor when you're plowing the fields of the Southland. You can watch yours truly do interviews with some of the great interviewees across the Southland. It's y'all.com. Let's dive into some more of the headlines of today's y'all show. And unfortunately, an update out of Florida today, Surfside, where authorities they say, authorities there now indicating there's no chance of life after the Surfside condo collapse has now switched the search there from a rescue now to a recovery. So according to the officials on the ground there in Miami-Dade, no chance of life. Unfortunate news. So we're likely going to see this death toll get up to 150 souls lost in this condo collapse from the last two weeks. Also out of Florida, a person has been killed in the Sunshine State as a result of Tropical Storm Elsa, which made its way across the Gulf Coast of Florida and into that uh, Big Bend area of the Sunshine State as the wind of the storm at one point was around 60. Now, those winds today down around 40 as it's making its way through North and South Carolina 
on into portions of Virginia, but more into the coast, the Atlantic coast, and perhaps back out to sea. That's what most people expect. But one person killed in Florida and several sailors are people working at the Kings Bay Naval Submarine Base in Georgia. That's in Kingsland, Georgia, Kingsland, Georgia, in Camden County. A possible tornado strike there at this Navy base, a submarine base at that. And 10 people reported injured at the sub base there in southeast Georgia, about 45 minutes north of Jacksonville, Florida. That's where you have that. But one Floridian reported killed when this hurricane and, and then turned into a tropical storm went through that area over the last 24 to 48 hours. Our thoughts there with the good people of Florida and Georgia as they look to get past this storm here this weekend. Let's tell you about gas prices. Mississippi has some of the lowest gas prices in the good old U.S. of A. right now. I often pass through the Magnolia State, and I usually try to get there with an empty tank because if you hit it right, you can find the lowest gas prices at least anywhere that I'm aware of. And Mississippi is doing quite good, according to AAA, as right now the lowest regular mid-grade diesel prices in the U.S. can be found within the borders of Mississippi. While the national average price of a gallon of gas is $3.13 in Mississippi, a gallon of regular fuel right now goes for an average of $2.75. And it also, in Mississippi, has the lowest price for diesel for all you big big rig drivers and some of you with those big old trucks that need a lot of diesel. $2.92 is the, the expense that will set you back on average in Mississippi. Now, Mississippi compared to the complete opposite, California, and that's the complete opposite on so many levels. California's average price for a gallon of gas four dollars and thirty cents. Hawaii is four oh two. Now, how can gas be more expensive in California than in Hawaii? That just does not make sense. So, oh, let's do the math here. Mississippi's one seventy five. Or 275, rather. Oh, if I said 175, I think the whole region would be going down to Mississippi or over to Mississippi or up to Mississippi <laughs> and getting some gas. 275 compared to 430. That's what, a dollar 30 plus uh, almost a dollar 60 cents difference in the price of gas between Mississippi and California. And we wonder why so many people in California are deciding to move to places outside of California. Although I don't think too many Californians are moving to Mississippi. I could be wrong. It could be the new hotspot for the Silicon Valley is to go to Water Valley (laughs) or other good places in the great state of Mississippi. An update from the WWE world as wrestler Jimmy Uso arrested again for DUI in Florida. Uso, whose real name is Jonathan Salofa Fetu, booked into the Escambia County Jail in Pensacola early this week. And I mean early in the morning on Tuesday. And he was charged once again for driving under the influence. The 35-year-old WWE wrestler released on a $500 bond. Now, this is the second time Fetu was arrested in DUI charges in Pensacola. He was arrested 
back in 2019 for the same crime but was found not guilty. How can you be found not guilty? Because I know I've been watching videos of people being arrested. Don't tell me why. Don't 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 ask me why. I get caught up on YouTube and start seeing all these arrest videos. I spent over an hour just last evening watching an Ocala, Florida off-duty cop being arrested for DUI from 2018, I think it was. <laughs> and it was quite a spectacle because she was an undercover cop, I think. And she wrecked her car leaving a local honky-tonk there in Ocala. And the it was bad enough that she was drunk. She said she'd been drinking. It wasn't like she was trying to hide it. But unfortunately for this law enforcement officer from Ocala, she wrecked her car right into a power pole. And so that really set off the sparks, if you know what I mean. I don't know what happened. I'm sure she probably lost her job. But uh, uh, pretty pretty weird the way they handle a lot of these videos. I also, while I'm all, while I'm talking about it, to tell you about some of the good must-see TV that uh, your boy John watches when he's not doing the y'all show. That's why I need to do this show more often. I think we're going to switch to a 24-hour-a-day y'all show. I think you would tune in, would you not? Come on, help me out now. I'm thinking about it. But I spent also on Wednesday about 45 minutes. This had nothing to do with DUI, but the same maybe YouTuber put out another video from their channel of Gretchen Wilson, the country music singer, Miss Redneck Woman, being kicked out of her Las Cruces, New Mexico hotel. And I really felt sorry for Gretchen Wilson. This happened a couple of years ago down there, and it's now on YouTube. Probably been there for a few years, but it's all coming from police body cam footage. And essentially, in this case, Gretchen Wilson had played a concert in Las Cruces and went back to the hotel late after the concert with her fiancé. And reports started coming into the front desk of this pretty nice hotel of this loud noise coming from room 716. I think I even know the freaking number. How crazy is that? <laughs> and so ultimately, the manager of the hotel says, we got to get them out of there. I don't care if they're a country music star or not, Grammy winner, kick them out of my hotel. So they have to get the cops to do that. So three law enforcement officers from Los Cruces, New Mexico, go knocking on the door at Gretchen Wilson's hotel room at 2 3 o'clock in the morning. Ma'am, you got to leave. And who wants to be kicked out of their hotel room, whatever the reason? But honestly, I don't think Gretchen Wilson was guilty. I mean, she was crying. She's like, we didn't make any noise. You can see it's just me and my fiance. And I mean, the room was not a mess. I, I, I think it could have been a mistaken deal. But the bottom line, and this is what our law enforcement has to do every day while they're working and being great heroes, they have to follow the rules and the law. And in, in a lot of cases, if not every case, if a property owner wants you gone from their property, you got to go. And that's what the cops show up there for. The cops have to kind of be an umpire, but in the end, it's going to be the property owner that wins. And when you're awakened at 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning, and you're a star like Gretchen Wilson is, you don't want to leave. And I don't blame her. And 
she thinks the cops are in on it, but they're really not. They're just doing what they have to do. And so she leaves. And she had nowhere to go because I think she was having a flight out the next morning. So who wants to go check into another hotel at 3 o'clock in the morning? I, I wouldn't do that. And I guess one positive thing is Las Cruces, New Mexico is a town that I've heard of. So they probably do have other things besides hotels you can do in the middle of the night. I'm sure there's at least one Waffle House she and her fiancé could have hung out for in and hung out in for several hours before they could get to a hotel and get the heck out of there. And if I were her, I wouldn't be going back to Las Cruces. Although Toby Keith once told me that's the best Mexican food he's ever had was in Las Cruces, New Mexico. I want to go there. The best, actually the best Mexican food I've ever had was in New Mexico, but it was at the Albuquerque airport. Best I've ever had. And I just have to travel a couple hours south of Albuquerque to get down to Las Cruces to check out what Toby Keith told me once. But his fellow country music singer, Gretchen Wilson, again, that video is up if you want to see it. And and I'm really proud of her because I really thought this would be a train wreck for her when I saw the video pop up. You know, country music star kicked out a hotel. And it's coming from the police camera, body cam footage. But I, you kind of feel sympathetic for the for the star. And, eh, you know, it gives you a perspective of what it's like to be a, a star from a police body cam standpoint. And Gretchen Wilson, who's been in the news for doing some not-so-smart things in her career, this video, I think, actually does a lot of good for her. And I... I'm kind of a fan of hers. I was anyway. I consider Redneck Woman to be the most memorable, best, if you will, song that came out in that entire 2000 to 2010 decade. That was a monster hit. You could go back to say Achy Breaky Heart was also a huge hit from that previous decade. And then, of course, you got to throw in Friends in Low Places. But those kind of uh, landmark songs... We didn't have a lot of those in that entire decade, and at least in country music. And Redneck Woman, I, I just and I know a lot about country music, y'all. I've covered it for gosh thirty years, <laughs> and worked on Sixteenth Avenue in Nashville. Uh, Redneck Woman was probably number one in my book for that entire two thousand to two thousand ten decade. A lot bigger song, a lot more memorable than the fifty forgettable songs that Tim McGraw probably put out in that same de- decade. <laughs> All right, I'll be shutting up now talking about Gretchen Wilson videos at uh, 10 o'clock at night here on the Y'all Show. By the way, I followed Gretchen Wilson up, and I can't tell you as much about this as I did the Gretchen Wilson video. I watched the body cam footage of this country music real-life singer, and I followed that up with a viewing of A Star is Born. That is the Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper movie, and I watched that. And that might be a little bit of reason that I'm dragging here on this Thursday, y'all show. That's a great movie. Now, that's made up. It's a mythical movie of, of singers and big stars, but it's very good. It really gives you a great perspective of the celebrity celebrity-dom of people like Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper, not necessarily a singer, but an actor and a director, but a very good movie. And I think parts of that were filmed in the South. I know they were doing some work in franklin tennessee at some point while working on that so check it out if you're looking for a good movie i really really highly recommend a star is born and lady gaga 
I'm not necessarily going to go out and buy her record anytime soon, but she's very talented to give you just a little bit of idea on her. But right now, this guy, Jimmy Uso, WWE, he is having his own real-life experience, again, reliving the world of being a WWE wrestler being arrested for DUI. And something tells me in the coming days, or if not hours, heck, it might already be posted, we'll be able to watch the arrest video of Jimmy Uso of WWE fame being arrested by an Escambia County, Florida deputy for a second Dewey allegation coming to us from Florida this week. And lastly, in our headlines across the Southeast, a grandmother in Baltimore has been released from the authorities, after violating parole. Now, what did this grandma do in Baltimore? She violated parole because she did not answer her telephone. 76-year-old Gwen Levy was serving a multi-decade sentence for drug conspiracy when the coronavirus pandemic began. And then, under a previous presidential administration decision, more than 24,000 Nonviolent inmates were allowed to serve the rest of their sentences in home confinement in an effort to help stop the spread of COVID-19. And this 76-year-old grandmother was one of those thousands of inmates allowed to go home after being in jail for quite some time. So she goes home, she's in Baltimore, and it I guess she didn't answer the telephone. And who can blame her? If you have a landline or even a cell phone, you're likely getting lots of crazy calls, usually from people trying to sell you car insurance or some other kind of wacky thing. You know what I'm talking about. But she did not return and respond to numerous calls, and that was considered a violation of her parole, and she was arrested. And the Federal Bureau of Prisons deemed her lack of response an escape. And so she gets arrested and put back in jail. But now she's been released and she's back at home. This time, 76-year-old Gwen Levy, you might want to be answering that telephone call. (laughs) It could be your probation officer checking in on you. We don't want you to go back to jail, Grandma. We'll have more headlines across the southeast that we'll get to. Also, let me tell you real quick before we get out of here on this timeout. Tokyo, the Olympics are about to happen in Now, Tokyo, the Olympics, they have officially announced they're going to ban spectators after Tokyo has declared a COVID-19 state of emergency. So if you've got those tickets to Tokyo as a spectator, you might want to try to go get what's that right there is my phone crashing. I'm trying to get on the phone now and cancel my airplane ticket to Tokyo. No spectators. It's going to be a weird thing to see the Olympics without spectators, but that's the latest it looks like they're going to at least try to put it on. This is the Olympics, again, that was supposed to be placed into the year 2020. And here's another unbelievable thing coming for the Tokyo Olympics. I'm not so sure it's going to happen. With this latest Delta strain of the coronavirus and so many places, including countries way behind on vaccinations, and here you are having people from all over the world gather in one spot for two to three weeks. I'm not saying it's going to get canceled, but I'm saying they're likely going to have a cancellation. Are you going to have a lot of, in my opinion, countries forbid their teams from going to Tokyo to participate? Watch that to happen. Watch that to be announced pretty soon. There's my prognostication. I'm not going to talk about the Olympics 
all that much here on the y'all show i think the olympics have turned into nothing more than a commercial for nike and i don't want to sit here and give all these athletes who i've never heard of and will never hear from again for the most part a lot of attention on a show about the south so i'll whenever when and if the olympics start happening in a couple of days we are not going to go overboard with olympics coverage so just in case you're wondering there's an olympic update from the y'all show but no spectators allowed at this year's olympics in tokyo when we come back on the y'all show we have an entertainment report coming to you we've got stars and more from hollywood to nashville and more it's our entertainment update plus don't forget sam houston state we'll be spotlighting the bearcats before the hour's up this is the y'all show from it's the Kosciuszko girl Oprah Winfrey and news out of the Mississippi native and Tennessee State University alumni Oprah and Gail King they're out this week with a story explaining the secret to their long-term best friendship you know usually women who are in the same profession don't necessarily get along all that well but Oprah and Gail have been friends for over 40 years. They say their deep bond is due to a lack of jealousy over each other and a genuine happiness for their respective achievements. (laughs) This was posted on Oprah Daily, and the two sat side by side. One is now 66, and one is 67 years young, and friends for 40 years. And I've always wanted to find out how in the world they got to be friends, and I've tried to do the tracing If they've been friends for 40 years, that essentially means they met when they were in their late 20s. And I know Oprah got her TV start in Nashville, I think at WKRN Channel 2. I think I'm right on that. And then ended up in Baltimore. And perhaps maybe that's where Gail worked also as an anchor or correspondent at that time back in, gosh, 40 years ago, early 80s, before Oprah got on TV. And now... Gail's all over the television. These two friends are besties, and kudos to them. Again, you can find that interview in its entirety at Oprah Daily, a video interview of these two friends. I thought Oprah Winfrey, and and maybe I'm a little bit early on this projection, I really thought at some point she was going to weigh the waters of politics and run or something i guess part of her problem is where's she going to run from i mean where's she going to represent is she going well, she probably just needs to run for president because she i know has a presence in california she might even still live in 
the Chicago area or something. I don't really know where she lives, but I think she primarily lives in the L.A. area. And she also has a house in Hawaii. I know she doesn't have a house in Kosciuszko. I, I'm pretty sure on that one. And she doesn't have a house. I, I had a chance to talk to her daddy one time, Vernon Winfrey. And I asked him, you know, Mr. Winfrey, where are you from? And he said he was from West Mississippi. Well, as a former Mississippi resident and a guy who claims to know a lot about Mississippi, usually when people tell you they're from a certain area of Mississippi, they say they're from either like North Mississippi or Central Mississippi or even South Mississippi. They might tell you they're from the Delta. They could be from the coast. I've never heard anybody say I'm from West Mississippi, like the Western portion, kind of like you'd say West Tennessee or West Texas. And Mr. Winfrey told me he was from West Mississippi. And so I had to pull out my old random McNally. And sure enough, he there is no region of Mississippi called West Mississippi. It's actually a town. And it's right down the road from Kosciuszko, which is in central Mississippi, Atala County, if you're keeping score at home. And that's about 45 minutes due north of Jackson, the state capital. And West is right off of Interstate 55 as you travel between Grenada and Jackson, Mississippi. Again, if you're keeping score at home. So I had to learn where West Mississippi was. So there you have it. Thank you, Vernon, who was a barber in Nashville, East Nashville to be specific, and was still practicing as a barber a few years ago when I spoke to him, even though his baby girl, Oprah, was one of the most famous people in all the country. Pretty cool story. All right, Suzanne Douglas. She is not from the South. She was raised, I think, up North. But sadly, the parenthood star has died at the age of 64. Suzanne Douglas, an accomplished stage and screen actress who starred Tap and the TV series The Parenthood, dying at age 64. No cause of death shared this week. She was a native of Chicago and... She also had a lot of other film credits like Whitney, How Stella Got Her Groove Back, School of Rock, and The Inkwell. 64-year-old actress Suzanne Douglas of the Parenthood fame dying this week. Now to some country music stars news and Casey Musgraves. She's a good old East Texas girl. She is recalling now an epic night of partying with Willie Nelson. And she says, huh? I don't really know what happened. Well, I would think so if you're partying with Willie Nelson. But on a recent appearance of the Late Late Show, she recalled the story of partying with Willie after the 2019 CMA Awards, and she won Female Vocalist of the Year and Music Video of the Year honors that year. And she went and partied with Willie Nelson. Now, I've been to a few CMA Awards after parties, and I don't remember Willie Nelson ever showing up or any of the awards that I went to, or parties. I do remember one time, it was the only time I ever saw Mary Chapin Carpenter, speaking of great country music stars, I went to a CMA after party one time at Warner Brothers Records, back when Travis Tritt was rocking and rolling, and Mary Chapin Carpenter was hanging out there at Warner Brothers for their party, and she was not a Warner Brothers recording artist. And I don't know, still don't know why she was there, but I, that's the only time I ever saw her, because... MCC, great country music singer of the 1990s, to my knowledge, did not live in Nashville and still doesn't live in Nashville. She 
I think she continued to live primarily in Virginia, her native state, when she even was a big hit maker in country music. But that's some CMA knowledge coming to you from Casey Musgraves partying with Willie Nelson, and she doesn't really know how that happened. I know how it probably happened, and it probably had something to do with Willie saying, hey, would you like to come outside and hang out with me for a minute? Or maybe they didn't even go outside. They, If you're Willie Nelson, you can just uh, light it up wherever you want to, I guess. Although he says nowadays he does not smoke marijuana. I think he takes it and, and, and ingests it is the way I do believe he hangs out. Well, another pairing of country music greats, Tim McCraw, he got on stage with Alabama as Alabama, the group Alabama. They've launched a 50-city tour, and just the other day, July 2nd and 3rd, they had back-to-back shows at Nashville's Bridgestone Arena, and Tim McGraw jumped up on stage and joined Jeff Cook, Teddy Gentry, and Randy Owen of Alabama for some good, good music. In fact, I got a quote here coming from a video that was put out, and it has Tim McGraw saying, it's been 482 days since they've had a concert at Bridgestone Arena. I've never seen Alabama live. I know every song off of every album. I could probably do the whole show. I'm getting on stage with them tonight. This is the first time I've ever seen them in concert, and I get to go on stage. How about that? He joined them, Tim McGraw, for a singing of Lady Down on Love. And he also, I think, performed some other songs with Alabama. There's a pretty cool video out from the Tim McGraw on social media. You can see the video of Tim up on stage with some of his heroes, Randy, Teddy, and Jeff of Alabama. Again, on a 50-city tour right now. Pretty cool. And I hope to see that just like Tim. I have never seen Alabama in concert myself, and that is one on my bucket list. And I'm glad to hear that they're off and going with more great music and that is a quick look at what's going on in an entertainment perspective across the southeast here on this thursday edition of talk with the southern accent when we come back we will continue the fun of this second hour we're going to tell you all about the sam houston state bearcats they are the national champions of fcs football and we're going to let you know about the bearcats as they get ready for the 2021 season it's part of our 44 city tour of the south This is y'all getting you ready for college football's kickoff Labor Day weekend. The South and college football have enjoyed a love affair for more than 150 years. And the Y'all Show is getting y'all ready for the biggest year college football's ever had. We're on a 44-city tour of Dixie's great college football teams. John Rawl is getting you ready when the toe meets leather Labor Day weekend. So get your chin strap on and get ready for today's Southern College football tour stop. Here's Johnny. Well, thank you, Jimmy. And we are just two months away, in some cases a little less than two months away, for the start of the college football season. It's going to be a big year, and Jimmy just told you it's going to be the biggest one ever. I know 2021 is already guaranteed to be the biggest year in the history of Sam Houston State. And why? Because the Bearcats have already won a national championship in college football. It was at the end of April that they went over to Frisco and the Bearcats claimed the FCS national championship because FCS football was postponed 
back in the fall of 2020 until the spring. And Sam Houston State defeated South Dakota State in the FCS National Championship game for 2020, which was played again in 2021. And so you got a national championship already for SHSU. And they are our college football spotlight. We are on a 44-city tour And today we're doing double duty. We've already told you a little bit about the Memphis Tigers. We will continue to tell you about some of the great traditions of Memphis in Hour 3. But right now it's all about K.C. Keeler and the Sam Houston State Bearcats as they won that national championship game 23-21. to It was a fantastic win. Won it at the buzzer in Frisco. And they win their second national championship in school history really their first in division one football they also claim a championship back in 64 but the bearcats 2020 national champions and they want to win a second national championship here in 2021 technically the fall of 2021 there's a lot going on with sam houston state that is why one of the reasons we wanted to spotlight them they are one of only two fcs programs that we're going to give you a little information about as we walk through our 44-city tour of college football programs across the southeast before we hit Labor Day weekend. Sam Houston State, they were chosen because they're the defending national champion of college football's FCS subdivision. Sam Houston State located in Huntsville, and they've been playing football since 1912. So more than 100 years of having great football teams there in the Piney Woods of Texas. The orange and white of SHSU. They play at Bowers Stadium. Steve Bowers, where are you? They got a stadium named after you there. 12,500 seats there at Bowers Stadium in Huntsville, Texas. And Sam Houston State, looking at their upcoming schedule for the 2021 fall season, they've already had a 2021 spring. What's going on this year? They start in Flagstaff, Arizona against the Lumberjacks of Northern Arizona on September 2nd. Then they will be playing at home in Huntsville when SEMO, Southeast Missouri, comes to call into Huntsville for a game on September 11th. Now, here's one reason we're telling you about Sam Houston State on today's Y'all Show. They are switching conferences this year. They have been a longtime member of the Southland Conference, and Sam Houston State, alongside some of their fellow Texas teams, and that would be... The good old Lumberjacks, the ones found in Texas, not just the ones in northern Arizona. And that would be good old the out of Nacogdoches, Texas. Yeah, they're they're also joining this new whack. And then you have a team, Stephen F. Austin, who I was referring to, the Lumberjacks out of Nacogdoches. You also have Lamar. And Tarleton State, which is a newcomer to FCS football, those four Texas schools have now become members of the WAC, the good old WAC. Remember the days of BYU, Air Force, and more? Well, the WAC has kind of reformed to be a FCS-level football conference, and Sam Houston State is leaving the Southland Conference this year, and they're going to be in the WAC. Now, the WAC doesn't have enough teams to get an automatic berth for this year's playoffs so it's a weird deal here in 2021 but ultimately sam houston state is going to be in a conference with teams out of utah like dixie state and some other smaller schools way out west i don't really know what the justification was to go and join this whack conference 
But Sam Houston State this year going to be moving over into this different conference, and they'll be WAC members. They play a bunch of games. I love each year, speaking of the Lumberjacks, they play Stephen F. Austin each year at the Houston Texans' home, NRG Stadium, the Battle of the Piney Woods. That usually is sometimes on national t- TV, and it's pretty cool to see 30,000 fans for an FCS football game. But you have that when these two old rivals from East Texas get together there in Houston when SFA and SHSU tangle on the gridiron. Now, Sam Houston State this year, I'm looking at their schedule. They don't have a money game on the schedule. I would love to see them suit up and play the Texas A&Ms or Texases of the world, but they don't have a money game. I, I guess they're making all that money from a national championship here in 2021 already. But Bearcat football, they won a lot of games throughout the year. They've got eight conference titles to their credit. Their biggest rivalry is that Stephen F. Austin Piney Woods battle. But SHSU, Huntsville, Texas. As a university, Sam Houston State, it boasts a bunch of students. 21,000 on campus there in Huntsville. And Huntsville is on the interstate between Hunt, between Houston and Dallas, if you are not familiar with where Huntsville. Also, it's the home of Texas's big penitentiary where they kill people in the electric chair. That's also what Huntsville, Texas is known for. But Sam Houston State was started back in 1879. And it's got a lot of people who've gone there through the years. Some of their most famous alums, we will go ahead and tell you probably the most famous alum from SHSU is Dan Rather. He got a BA in journalism back in 1953. Congratulations, Bearcat. Dan Rather. Also, you have a couple of beauty queens have been SHSU alums. A lot of athletes. Y'all remember Walt Anderson, the kind of really southern talking NFL ref? Walt Anderson. At SHSU alum, you also have bunches of NFL players and more business leaders from across Texas have ended up going to Sam Houston State. Politics-wise, lawyers, judges, all over the place. It's a very, very large alumni base, again, for Sam Houston State. What are some of the traditions at Sam Houston State? Well, in addition to playing SFA in the Battle of the Piney Woods, they have the Tree of Light Ceremony. It's one of the oldest and revered traditions on the Huntsville campus. And it involves several events going on that week. It's part of homecoming. They have there at SHHU the Ring Ceremony, where the Folks getting ready to graduate, I guess juniors and seniors get their college ring from SHHU. I guess they're trying to compete with the school up the road and College Station with having a big tradition deal of getting the ring. Sam Houston State's motto is, the measure of a life is its service. And so they have something called Bearcat All Paws In. And that's a tradition there where they go out and help the local community in Huntsville, Texas, in an effort to reach out and do the right thing. Sam Houston State got some traditions. They're a WAC member now. And we wanted to give you a few minutes of telling you all about 
the Bearcats, your 2020 college football national champions on the FCS level. And get ready there at Bauer Stadium. It's going to be rocking when KC Killer, who has won a national championship twice now, he won a national championship coaching the Delaware Blue Hens, and then Sam Houston State pulled him away from Delaware to be the coach at Sam Houston State. And now, in his seventh season in 2020, he won a national championship. Way to go, Bearcats. By the way, Bearcats at SHSU is spelled B-E-A-R-K-A-T-S. I don't know how that – that's something I should have looked up and shared with you how in the world they got that kind of unusual spelling of the word Bearcat as their nickname. But that's the case. Again, SHSU, Sam Houston State, the Bearcats, open their 2021 season on the road in Flagstaff against Northern Arizona, and then they'll be home in Huntsville on September 11th when the – Red Hawks of Southeast Missouri fly over from Cape Girardeau in an OVC whack battle on September 11th. So good luck, Bearcats, in the 2021 season. And hopefully, if you're a Bearcat fan, your 2021 season will be just about as good as your 2020 season because that spring season of earlier this year brought you your first FCS National Championship. We're not done talking college football in hour three. We're going to go back to Memphis and tell you more about the Memphis Tigers and some of the great traditions and alumni of the University of Memphis. All that's coming ahead in hour number three. Up next on the Y'all Show, don't miss out. Kobe Bennett is going to be filing a Southern accent on Southern business. That's up next. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. southern accent here's a business south update from y'all.com i'm kobe bennett coca-cola has been the hot topic as of late following repeated controversies this year's including georgia's controversial voting law now the atlanta-based soft drink empire has announced that they will be raising prices in order to combat higher commodity costs coke isn't the first company making this move following in the footsteps of fellow corporate giants including kimberly clark and jm smucker the goal of the price hike is to return profit margins back to pre-pandemic levels. Coca-Cola CEO James Quincy told CNBC's Sarah Eisen on Squawk on the Street that while they are well hedged in 21, there's a pressure buildup for 22, and so there will have to be some price increases. He added that they intend to manage said price points intelligently, thinking through the way they use package sizes in order to optimize price points for consumers. Quincy did not cite which products would be receiving higher price tags. Coca-Cola's shares rose less than 1% following their first quarter reports. Demand for the soft drink last March reached pre-pandemic levels, though company higher-ups clarified that they are witnessing an uneven global recovery. Business news, headlines, and more at y'all.com. Oh, don't tell me we're going to have to have a bottle of Coke cost about the same price as a gallon of gasoline, Kobe. Oh, I hope that's not the case. Thank you for that information on Southern Business. That will wrap up Hour 2 of our thursday y'all fun we're not done though got a whole nother hour of talk with a southern accent queued up and coming at you after the break we got a sports update we'll tell you more about the great traditions of the memphis tigers and also we've got more news coming across the south plus a look at some of the great festivals and events taking place across dixie this weekend talk with a southern accent that's what we're all about y'all
sports information coming your way in just a second. Plus, we have information on the traditions and famous alums of the University of Memphis. How about them Tigers? Or should I say, go Tigers, go GTG. <laughs> also, this third hour of our Thursday Y'all Show, we've got a look at more news going on across the Southeast today. Plus, before the hour is up, we'll be telling you the breakdown of some great festivals and events taking place across 16 southern states this very weekend. All right here, our research teams put a lot of work into this third hour. We don't want you to miss out on the fun. We're the show all about the South. We are y'all talk with a Southern accent. I am General John Rawl, CSA, Certified Southern American. And if you want to get involved, you can text us at 803-816-1170. We're available for you to reach out to us 24-7 with anything you got going on across the Southeast. It is a privilege to be back here with you. And let's get into what's going on. Sports headlines, as we told you, hour number two, it's just been announced today. No fans will be welcomed at the upcoming Olympics in Tokyo, Japan. No fans in the stands. I think that's going to dramatically affect the way these Olympic games go off. And as I also warns you, not that you care about what I say about the Olympics, but look for some of these Olympic teams to kind of back out here at the last minute and not show up in Tokyo. And there's a chance that the whole games might get canceled. They already got postponed from 2020 into 2021. Anything's possible in today's coronavirus world. And right now, the big news today from Tokyo, no fans allowed to attend the 2020-2021 Olympic Games. Well, fans were in attendance in Tampa. And on Wednesday night, congratulations to the NHL's Tampa Bay Lightning Back-to-back Stanley Cup champs as they closed out their series with Montreal and they defeated the Canadians in Game 5 with a 1-0 victory. And they win the series 4-1 and the Lightning, your back-to-back Stanley Cup champs. Tremendous win. that You're having a back-to-back champion. The first time that's been done since the 2016-2017 Pittsburgh Penguins won back-to-back Stanley Cup titles. And now you're seeing a team from Florida, of all places, get a back-to-back championship in hockey. That's very good, A. It is very good. And way to go, Lightning. A dynasty in the making now in Florida. Is that Pinellas County where Tampa is? I think it is. That might be St. Petersburg It doesn't matter. Tampa Bay Lightning Stanley Cup champions. NBA Finals continuing. Game 2 set for this evening. you got the Milwaukee Bucks and Phoenix Suns going into Game 2. Phoenix has a 1-0 series lead. This game tips off 9 Eastern, 8 o'clock Central on ABC. Phoenix can close out this opening two rounds in Phoenix by winning two games perhaps. And then go into Milwaukee, where Game 3 is set for Sunday evening. And Phoenix could go to Milwaukee with a 2-0 series lead. Or the Bucks can come back off the mat and even this thing up as they go back to Milwaukee with a chance to... Can, can they close it out? Let's see. I know Games 3 and 4 are set for Milwaukee. I guess they don't have a schedule going forward past... 
game, well, let's see here. Is there a game scheduled? Game five? Yeah, game five is back in Phoenix. So it's two games in Phoenix followed by two two games in Milwaukee. Then it's back to Phoenix. I like the old days of 2-3-2. But they would go back to Phoenix if they had to. Then a game six would be back in Milwaukee. And I bet you the other one would be, if they got to a game seven, that would be in Phoenix on July 22nd. So we still potentially have two more weeks of the NBA Finals. That is just crazy, y'all. <laughs> That's just ridiculous that it would go on this long but that's i guess what they want for the ratings right now it can just be a four game series and the suns can just close it on out if they win the second game and then go to milwaukee and win the next two there major league baseball news we've given you a little bit of information about what's going on with trevor bauer now his team the dodgers have pulled the cy young award-winning pitchers merchandise out of their online store, I guess, and definitely out of their store there at Dodger Stadium. They also have canceled, I think, a bobblehead night scheduled for Trevor Bauer. He's been placed on administrative leave. He was put on that by Major League Baseball. All this comes from allegations of sexual assault. And under the Major League Baseball's domestic violence policy rule, which was collectively bargained with players, MLB is allowed to place players on leave for seven days even if no criminal charges are brought forth. But right now it looks like Trevor Bauer is not expected back into the clubhouse with the Dodgers when his seven-day leave ends on Friday. A rough couple of days for Bauer. Bauer was likely to start before the All-Star break as a pitcher. That All-Star break begins on july 12th so are we just a couple of days away yeah i guess we are from the all-star game in colorado when it should have been in atlanta stolen by major league baseball away from the braves for political reasons yeah they have also the dodgers removed the trevor bauer bobblehead night from their promotional calendar it was set for august 19th and then all Trevor Bauer merchandise is pulled from the Dodgers team store. That's low down, y'all. This guy is alleged to have done something. He has not been convicted. And he's one of the biggest stars in baseball. And I told you in the previous hour about how I've wasted hours upon hours of watching these police videos of people getting arrested for DUIs. (laughs) Yeah, what an exciting life I live. I do live an exciting life when I pull up Trevor Bauer's vlog. He's got a vlog out, been doing it a few years, and Trevor Bauer essentially has gone around with just a simple camera and documented his life. And it's really good. It's very well produced. You really get to see an insider look at being a professional baseball player. And usually you see that because it's just Bauer and his little camera that he totes around. It's not like he's got a whole crew with him at all times. And so I know he's accused of domestic violence and and sexual assault specifically. Assuming he might be innocent, I'm going to brag on him for a second. I really have enjoyed this video. And I'm not sure that 
one of the ladies I saw in that might have been the woman accusing him of sexual assault. I don't know if her name's been released, but there is a, a woman that shows up sometimes on his vlog, and I, I've never been told what the relationship was because I'm not sure that Trevor Bauer is in a serious relationship. The California native who's been a pitcher for the Indians and Reds and now with the Dodgers. Again, a Cy Young winning pitcher. I think he won it with the Reds last year, I think. And had an offseason deal with the Dodgers and got paid big time money to sign on with the Dodgers after they won the World Series in 2020. And he was not part of that team. He signed in the offseason. I think he did. Maybe he was on the team. You know how baseball does these last-minute maneuvers and pull in players right before the actual playoffs begin. I don't think he was on the team, though, because I haven't seen him showing off the World Series ring on his vlog. But one of the things I did see him do is right after he did sign his big-time Dodgers contract early this year, he rewarded himself. And he went out and he went really expensive car shopping And here, I'm going to, again, shamelessly admit how ignorant I am on cars, at least, but certainly ignorant when it comes to fancy cars. And I had to get educated, thanks to Trevor Bauer, on some of these cars of today that cost hundreds and hundreds of thousands and sometimes millions of dollars. Because after Bauer signed his deal in the offseason with the Dodgers, he went and rewarded himself with a fancy new sports car. And he didn't want to have a Corvette and he didn't want to have a Honda CRV. He wanted some kind of fancy European car. And so on his vlog, you got to go along with him to the dealerships in the Phoenix area and do a little fancy car shopping. But he had to get permission from his daddy to do that. His daddy, I guess, is his confidant especially when it comes to money. And his dad said, okay, son, you've signed a more than $100 million contract with the Dodgers. Okay, I guess I'll give you permission to use over a million dollars and go buy you a fancy sports car. You've earned it like E.F. Hutton. And so he went luxury car shopping. Now, here is what I'm going to tell you. I got educated on thanks to Trevor Bauer in his vlog. Some of these fancy cars, because I didn't, I just don't know enough about fancy cars. So I think he ended up buying a McLaren, but he was blown away by a car I had never heard of, a car brand. Okay, when you're Trevor Bauer, you get to do these kind of things. He did buy a McLaren. He also bought a Koenig's egg. And he was really highly considering a Ferrari. But he ends up buying two of these extremely expensive cars. And again, he earned it. He got over a $100 million. It was a $102 million three-year contract that he signed with the Dodgers. And I bet you the Dodgers are wanting out of it. And that's why they're essentially kicking him to the curb And they're using this sexual assault allegation as a way to get out of their contract with Trevor Bauer. And he could be guilty. And he'll, if 
guilty, he may never play Major League Baseball again. But before he was alleged to have been a sexual assaultee, a person alleged to have committed sexual assault, he went out car shopping. And his vlog shows him going to these dealerships. Okay, in the video, the woman that I saw he was with was Rachel Luba. And that, according to a website, is his agent. And I don't know if that's the woman accusing him of sexual assault. I guess it's not. I knew there was a woman in some of these videos. So he went to the Ferrari Scottsdale dealership and the McLaren Scottsdale dealership looking at these cars, including a Ferrari 488 Pista. But he ends up buying a Koenigsegg car. And I don't have the model number, but it's a beautiful car. I know in one of the videos, I think it's the Koenigsegg that he fell in love with because it was a rare paint color, maybe one of only 200. It might have been the only color like that in the world. And the crew that made that car all signed the engine, I think. I think it was the engine of this car with a big Sharpie. So you got all of the engineers and people on the factory floor with their signature on your car. Pretty neat stuff. Now, what about a Koenigsegg? I'm going to tell you briefly about this car company. Started in 1994, only 27 years old. It's a Swedish car. And that's why I had never heard of it. I have not been in the Swedish car market lately. And a Koenigsegg is a very fancy Swedish car that you can now get. And they have these weird-looking cars. They look like spaceships. But if you're a $103 million pitcher like Trevor Bauer, you can go out and buy one of these bad boys if you're into it. Let's tell you about a bad boy that's not only alleged to have done something bad in the sports world, he's now serving prison time. Angel Cabrera, a PGA Tour golfer who has won a U.S. Open, and he won the Masters. And Cabrera has been sentenced to two years in prison for assaulting a former lover of his and he's been sentenced in an Argentine court. The 51-year-old U.S. Open and Masters winner sentenced in the province of Cordoba, and that's about 500 miles northwest of Buenos Aires. And he, again, has denied any wrongdoing in this case, but it doesn't matter. He's off to jail for quite some time. I guess he won't be playing in Augusta National in 2022. Cabrera won the U.S. Open in 2007, and then he won the Masters in a playoff in 2009, and he lost a 2013 Masters playoff to Adam Scott. Angel Cabrera in jail and may be there for quite some time. A member of the Oklahoma Sooners football team, Mikey Henderson, is off that squad as he was arrested recently and sought in connection with an alleged robbery, an alleged robbery that also included two other Oklahoma football players. Seth McGowan and Trahan Bridges, now all three players off of Lincoln Riley's football team. Mikey Henderson in 2020 did see the action a little bit. He had a touchdown, at least one rushing touchdown and more. A football player of yesteryear has died at the age of 86. Dickie Magel, who was a star running back for the Rice Owls, and in the 1954 Cotton Bowl, it was Mr. Magel running down the sideline for 
Rice being tackled by an Alabama football player. Tommy Lewis was the player that tackled him on the sure touchdown. Megal ends up getting awarded the 95-yard TD. He also had very long runs of, I think one was about 70 yards in that 1954 Cotton Bowl. One was 79 yards, and he had another 34-yard touchdown run in the 1954 Cotton Bowl. 265 yards total rushing in that 1954 Cotton Bowl against Alabama. And that is still a single-game record for rushing for the Rice Owls. And he went on to play in the NFL. But one thing he did right after that bowl game is he and Mr. Lewis of Alabama went on the Ed Sullivan Show. And Lewis, the Alabama player who came off the sideline and decked Michael, who's he was running for a sure touchdown, Lewis explained that he did what he did because he was just too full of Alabama. And he couldn't watch this Rice player run on down uncontested for a TD. And so he did that rather awful thing. Dickie Magel has died at the age of 86. And that is what's going on sports-wise across the Southeast here. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to keep the sports going from a college football perspective. We're going to continue our spotlight of the Memphis Tigers. We're going to shift over. Instead of talking X's and O's in the 2021 schedule, we're going to let you know more about Memphis Tiger football, the traditions. Tell me all about what happens there when the Tigers get ready for a big game there at the Liberty Bowl. Also, we'll let you know about some of the famous people who've gone to school at the University of Memphis, an American Athletic Conference member. We'll have all that coming up right after the break on Y'all Talk With a Southern Accent. Get your blue and gray out, Tiger fans. We're going to let you know all about Ryan Silverfield's program as we continue on with our spotlight. Memphis today, one of our 44 cities that we're traveling to, getting you ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. The Y'all Show is on the road and stopping by 44 of the South's great college football towns as we get y'all ready for the start of the 2021 college football season. Tailgates, traditions, fight songs. Can you feel the excitement? Here's Y'all Show host John Rawl to fire y'all up with today's great Southern College Football Showcase. And today... It is the University of Memphis. The Tigers are our college football spotlight. In addition to Sam Houston State, we had a little bit about the Bearcats an hour or two. But right now, it's back to talking about the Memphis Tigers, who have done a great job in the last few years with their football program. And we're going to talk about the Tigers and their traditions here in this third hour of our Y'all Show with the General of All Things Southern, John Rawl. The University of Memphis, located right there in Midtown Memphis, It started back in 1912 when Memphis State University, Memphis State College of West Tennessee, they had a bunch of names. Now they go by the University of Memphis. They have a campus there in Midtown. They also have the former Lambeth University campus in Jackson, Tennessee, that they call now the University of Memphis Lambeth campus. Niles Reddick, way to go there at UML. But the Tigers and the University of Memphis, they have 
over 22,000 students. They've got 17,000 undergraduates. They've got over 4,300 postgraduate students. The University of Memphis is a law school in downtown Memphis. And under President M. David Rudd, the University of Memphis has been driving forward and making great things happen in the classroom and on the athletic fields of the Memphis Tiger fan base for the last few years. I'm going to tell you a little bit more about some of the great traditions of Memphis here in this segment of the Y'all Show. Hour one, if you missed that, you can go back and to our podcast archives at the Y'all Show on y'all.com. Also, we're available in the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, and on Stitcher. Hour one, we really did a great breakdown of this 2021 season forthcoming for Ryan Silverfield's team. We heard the coach of the Tigers talk about his program in hour one. Memphis begins the 2021 season at home at the Liberty Bowl against the Nickel State Colonels. That game set for September 4th. It's going to be an evening game there at Liberty Bowl Stadium when the U of M and Nickel State get together. Their first conference game is going to be taking place against Tipple, and Temple will be hosting that game in Philadelphia October 2nd. The first American Conference home game for Memphis is going to be on a Thursday night when the Midshipmen of Navy come into Memphis for a game on ESPN October 14th. So quite a ways away before a big game. Also a big game, I should mention, in September for the U of M. Mississippi State comes into Memphis for a game on September 18th. So the U of M and MSU a battle between the SEC and the American Conference, and that's taking place September 18th. If you're a Memphis Tiger fan, some of the great traditions that you have when you go to the Liberty Bowl and see the Tigers play, but one thing you've got to look forward to is Tom. Tom is the actual live mascot of the University of Memphis, and Tom actually is a Mississippian. Tom the Tiger lives actually in DeSoto County, Mississippi. I think some of the laws of Memphis kind of got a little bit out of whack, and so the university decided to move the Tiger mascot down into Mississippi. And so he he normally hangs out in DeSoto County, but on game days you might just see him outside the Liberty Bowl as he travels in a custom-designed climate-controlled trailer and always has a Sheriff Patrol escort when he shows up at the Liberty Bowl It helps roar his Memphis Tigers to victory. And I know the Kuntz family, I know one of the members of that down in DeSoto County, kind of take care of that. And and Tyler one time invited me to come to see his Tom the mascot there at his house. I have not yet taken him up on the offer to go see the real-life mascot of the Memphis Tigers there in DeSoto County, Mississippi. But there, if you go to a game, you have – Tiger Lane outside of the Liberty Bowl. That's been a tradition for 15, 20 years, and a lot of fans line up on Tiger Lane for Tiger Walk. That's when the team comes walking through on the way into the Liberty Bowl for a big game day, like for the time when they have Mississippi State coming in this year. And then you have the little costume mascot. I don't want to leave Pouncer out. Pouncer has been around Memphis since 1960 as a very, very visible part of the athletic program of the Memphis Tigers. So it's it's a fun experience there at the Liberty Bowl, a building built back in the 1960s. And the Tigers, I'm, I was thinking before the segment started, Memphis, 
fans of Memphis, fans of Memphis State, to go way back, what was the biggest win that you've seen the Tigers have in football at Liberty Bowl Stadium? I'm going to say it was 1997 when Tennessee came in there for a nationally televised game and Memphis walked away with a win over Peyton Manning. That had to be the biggest game in my knowledge of kind of following Memphis Tiger football as a as a bystander. I know they they don't play Tennessee that much. They they have played historically a team in Oxford, Mississippi. And I do believe if you corner a Memphis Tiger fan and say, what college team do you absolutely hate more than any other team? I'm going to say it's the Rebel Land Sharks is who they hate more than about anybody. Because I think Tennessee, I think they have a little bit of a respect, maybe Memphis fans for Tennessee, since it's the flagship university of the state. And they don't play that often. But they used to play Ole Miss a lot. It was a season opener in a lot of cases. And there were some real doozies through the years. And I, I think Memphis fans probably get up more for that one. than And they've beaten the Sharks here in recent years, to their credit. They really derailed the Sharks, what, 2015 season when Hugh Freeze was there? Former Memphis high school coach at Briarcrest. And uh, he comes back to the Liberty Bowl with a very good team back in 2015. And they lose to Memphis, and they go on and play in the Sugar Bowl that year and win the Sugar Bowl against Oklahoma State. But... They went down in flames to the Memphis Tigers in that 2015 season. Memphis football, it's back. And Ryan Silverfield is leading this program. And just two years ago, remember, Memphis went all the way to the Cotton Bowl and played in a New Year's Six game. The Tiger fans have a lot to be excited about on the football side. Remember, Penny Hardaway is their basketball coach, and he's a great Memphis basketball player of 15, 24, 25 years ago before he went off to the NBA's Orlando Magic, and he's now the coach. And he actually just turned down the chance to go be an NBA coach to stay coaching the Memphis Tigers. I think he might have been offered the Orlando job. So he he likes his hometown Memphis Tigers. And I bet you on most game days you'll see the Penny Hardaways of the world supporting their blue and gray when the Tigers get ready for football 2021. Let me tell you about a few famous Memphis University, University of Memphis, Memphis State University alums. First off, you've got a couple of big heavyweight politicians who are Memphis alums, starting with the Ford family, the Memphis family that has had Harold Ford Jr. and more. One member of that family, John Ford, is a Memphis State University alumnus. You also have Jackson's own Ed Jackson, State Senator from Jackson, Tennessee. He's a Memphis alum. You also have, I don't want to leave this guy out, although he kind of falls in both the acting world and the politician world. How about Fred Dalton Thompson? Proud Memphis alum. The current mayor of Memphis, Jim Strickland, is a University of Memphis alum. And then when you get into the, uh, well, not acting world, but just the entertainment world, how about this list of University of Memphis alums. You got Fred Thompson, who I just mentioned, kind of crosses into politics too. Dixie Carter, Huntington, Tennessee, McLemoresville, Tennessee's on Dixie Carter, a Memphis State alum. Kelly Cash, Milan, Tennessee's on. 1987 Miss America and a cousin to Johnny Cash. She is a Memphis State University alumnus. Then you have Jason Isbell. I didn't know this. Singer-songwriter. 
member of Drive-By Truckers. He is a Memphis alum, a great of yesteryear, Dickie Lee, a Memphis alum, Memphis State University alumnus. They've had a lot of famous actors, singers, and more, and I'm pretty sure they're missing out on one. Maybe she's listed in a different. I'm pretty sure Sybil Shepherd went to Memphis, and she's not listed on this thing I'm looking at here, but pretty sure Sybil Shepherd is a Memphis alum. A lot of great athletes have come through Memphis's program, especially in basketball, but they've had some really good football players. D'Angelo Williams, who played for the Carolina Panthers, was one of the best running backs Memphis has ever, ever had. Andre Turner, NBA great. Derrick Rose, man, what a career he's had in the NBA. Former Memphis Tiger basketball player. Anthony Hardaway. Penny Hardaway. <laughs> now the coach of the Memphis Tigers. And again, back in a great player for them who went on to be a longtime head basketball coach, Larry Finch. Memphis Tiger, Memphis State Tiger. Isaac Bruce, don't want to leave him out here on the list of Memphis alums. Just a great, great lineup of alumni from the University of Memphis, the Tigers. Go look at this list when you get a chance. Memphis got a lot to be proud of from a school standpoint and a lot to be proud of from an athletic standpoint. And the Memphis Tigers getting ready for the 2021 season. And today, we have taken time out on the Y'all Show to include the Memphis Tigers as part of our 44-city tour of colleges across the Southeast. As we march our way, it might even be right there marching through Tiger Lane outside of the Liberty Bowl. But we're marching our way to the start of the 2021 college football season when teams like the Tigers suit up against the Nichols State Colonels in their very first game of the forthcoming season. Go Tigers, go. The Y'all Show comes right back. we got to look at more headlines. And before we get out of here, we're going to take a look at some of the festivals and fun going on across the Southeast this weekend. Stay tuned. shoes and I boarded the plane Touchdown in the land of the Delta Blues in the middle of a pouring rain W.C. Handy Won't you look down over me Cause I've got a first class ticket And I'm blue as a boy can be Walking in Memphis the bluff city on our mind still this is the y'all show and we're kind of wrapping things up here in this final hour of the thursday y'all show let's get back into some of the news stories of the southland as we get ready to depart here in this third hour on our thursday edition of talk with a southern accent recapping some of the news of the day in south florida authorities there essentially giving up 
the rescue effort now. It's a recovery effort there at Surfside, Florida, as the search for the survivors of the Champlain condo building looks like everybody's trapped under there is going to end up being found dead. And I unfortunate story from the last couple of weeks that we're continuing to report on here on today's y'all show tropical storm elsa has hit the carolinas today one person reported dead in florida after the storm hit the sunshine state and about 10 people hurt at the navy base in kingland georgia the submarine base there on st mary's the st mary's river there on the georgia florida line and unfortunately some injuries there but no deaths reported in Georgia with this tropical storm making its way across the Atlantic portion of the South right now. How about the story out of Louisiana? The Mall of Louisiana has finally captured an escaped Burmese python at the mall. The Mall of Louisiana. Oh, I'm glad I wasn't there shopping. How would you like to be shopping there? Maybe heading on down to the Chick-fil-A or some other place there probably in a mostly empty mall as most malls now are pretty vacated but there in the baton rouge area the mall of louisiana had a snake get out of its cage and it was missing there for a while thank goodness this thing got caught and now the python has been transported to the lsu school of veterinary medicine for a health check but yeah not not exactly what you want to find when you go shopping at your local shopping mall. A big old python somewhere hanging out in the mall. And I've seen the video of this thing. It looked pretty big. Several, several feet long. An escaped Burmese python inside a shopping mall in Baton Rouge. Also, we'll tell you about a sign that things are definitely getting better across the land. The Great American Dollhouse Museum in Danville, Kentucky has reopened after 15 months of being shut down in Boyle County, Kentucky. The owner decided to close for over a year. And now, if you've got a little lady that wants to go see some beautiful dolls, you can go to Danville and check out the Great American Dollhouse Museum, now open. This museum first opened its doors back in 2008, and it looks like a really cool tourism spot. And it's open again for all the youngsters. They usually get about 5,000 visitors a year to see the exhibits at this doll museum. Not quite like the Cabbage Patch Place there in Cleveland, Georgia, but still a great opportunity if you've got a young lady that wants to see how dolls could be on display and maybe buy a doll while you're there. The Great American Dollhouse Museum, Danville, Kentucky, is now open for tourists. Get there and get there soon. And lastly, a crazy story coming out of Wichita Falls, Texas. So somehow, some way, they have an animal control officer on duty there. And the ladies must think he's pretty cute. And somehow, some way, this Wichita Falls, Texas animal services officer has become a social media frenzy in the last few days. As Zachary Majewski posed with a Siberian Husky to encourage people to adopt from the Wichita City, the Wichita Falls City Shelter. In this photo of this rather attractive guy and, and a much more attractive dog, ended up being 
shared and shared and i guess a lot of ladies out there just thought they were both so, so darn cute and he ended up getting a lot of likes coming to him on facebook probably a few proposals i don't know if it was a romance proposal or somebody just want might want to take that pretty dog off his hand but this week majewski went on the ellen show where he admitted he was not expecting most of the comments about him so this makes you appreciate our animal control officers even more, especially when they have to handle not just beautiful canines and I guess a few cats at times, even Burmese pythons perhaps, but I guess they can be rather attractive and that also catches the eye of the public and definitely the crazed world of social media. Oh, Zachary, I think you'll be able to handle your newfound fame and maybe you'll just if you don't have a a loved one, thanks to this photo of you and that beautiful husky that you pose with. By the way, the husky was in need of adoption. That's why Zachary posed with it, and I think it ended up being adopted. This beautiful female husky named Sky. So yeah, we appreciate all of our animal services officers, and this one coming to us courtesy of Wichita Falls in Texas. <laughs> All right, we'll wrap up this y'all show. We'll take a quick look at some festivals and events going on across the Southeast this weekend. It's talk all about the South. It is the y'all show and you don't want to miss it. Closing out this Thursday Y'all Show, let's take a quick gander at some exciting options for the weekend. If you're needing to get in the car and head off to a fun place across the southeast, let me tell you about some festivals going on in Dixie this weekend. Starting in Dallas, Georgia, that's northwest of Atlanta this weekend, it's the Raccoon Creek Bluegrass Festival, and that's at the Raccoon Creek Music Park. That takes place Friday through Sunday, Dallas, Georgia, the Raccoon Creek Bluegrass Festival. All right. Bluegrass in Georgia. Home of Louisiana this weekend is Craft and Cajun's Craft Show. I like that. That's a good name there. That's in Homa. That's at the Homa Terrebonne Civic Center on Civic, Civic Center Boulevard in Homa this weekend. Get your craft show, all you crafty Cajuns, and that's this weekend. Harrisonville, Maryland this weekend. Rather, I'm sorry, Harrisonville, Missouri. It's the Sunflower Fest 2021 on Jefferson Parkway and Harrisonville, Mo. Check it out, and you'll have Mo sunflowers than y'all's ever seen. If you don't, just show me there in Harrisonville, Missouri for Sunflower Festival. I guess there's a lot of sunflowers in bloom 
right now, and you can take advantage of it there in that portion of the Show Me State. This weekend in Greensboro, it's the Carolina Barbecue Music Festival. That's taking place at the Silo Entertainment Event Center on Elm Street in Greensboro, North Carolina. A mixture of barbecue and music. Sign me up. Across the state line in South Carolina this weekend, it's the Festival of Discovery taking place in Greenwood, SC. That starts today. It lasts through Saturday at the Uptown Greenwood on Main Street. Festival of Discovery. This is a fun event that goes on annually and in Greenwood. It is on this very weekend. Let me tell you about a great music event taking place in Jack Daniels country. This weekend in the Lynchburg area of Tennessee, technically Mulberry, Tennessee, is where this is, event is taking place. It's the Lynchburg Music Fest, and it starts today. It lasts through Saturday. Cody Jinks is there. The singer Hardy is there. Jamison Rogers, Walker Hayes. You also have Lucas Hoge, Cody Purvis, a lot of other singer-songwriters, all at the Lynchburg Music Fest in Mulberry, Tennessee. That is around Moore County in Middle Tennessee, sort of the southern end of Middle Tennessee, Lynchburg, home of Jack Daniels. It's the Lynchburg Music Fest 2021, and that is going on this weekend. And lastly, let me tell you about in Weatherford, Texas, this weekend, it is the Peach Festival in historic downtown Weatherford, Texas on Church Street. It's where you'll find the centerpiece of this year's Peach Festival in Weatherford. Get there, have a great time, enjoy the South in July and all the fun and festivals and so much more. We'll tell you about more of these festivals on our Friday Y'all Show. And we'll see you right back here Friday. Our college sports spotlight will be going on a tour of Louisiana Lafayette. That is our featured school of note on the Friday Y'all Show. Plus, Craig Faulkner dropping by with some tips on boating safety. That is planned for the Friday Y'all Show Have a great rest of your day, and thank you for tuning in to Y'all Show. I'm John Rawl. We'll see you back here on Friday.